Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Congratulations. Your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend, a ferocious linebacker, a clueless producer, and you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a First Friday Miracle Edition of the program. Dave Biddle in for threes again today. How you living, Bids? Bo, great to be with you. Living well. How about yourself? Large. Sort of. No, medium. Large is too much. Medium at this point is where we're at. I, I was. Um, I remember a conversation I had. I was thinking about this last night, watching the Bucks win it. And I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, Dan Minigan, who's a, a Wisconsin native. And this was probably in... 2000, I'd say around 16, 17, something like that. Um, it was probably, actually, it was probably right around when LeBron, right after LeBron had come back to Cleveland. So, yeah, going into the 16th season or somewhere in there. And and we were talking about super teams and coming home and all of those and um, what was the next chance for a um, for a team to have a super team. And, and I, I remember saying to him, um, well, when's Giannis a free agent? When's he a free agent? Because I mean, the, there was so much rumor at that time that he would end up in Miami because of you know it's a European city. I, I don't know how many people are aware of how many professional athletes, especially soccer players, vacation in Miami. Soccer players vacation in Miami. Um, it's easy to get to. He's, he's obviously Greek, and that would be uh, an easy thing. And so there was a lot of thought to that. And that even the Heat were kind of um, once LeBron left, were kind of re-engineering it to get to a point where they would be in position, right? I mean, that was kind of the talk of of that summer. And he said, don't be – not so fast on that. And I thought, well, really? Milwaukee? You know, they don't have a whole lot going there. I don't. I didn't know that they had a roster around him. And is he going to be able to win there consistently? And, and will he want to live there and all of those things? And, and I don't know what he'll – whether he plays his whole career for the Milwaukee Bucks or not. But one of the things he said is that Milwaukee had a great Greek – uh, community and that the city just wrapped its arms around him and that he was very grateful for that. And that was years ago. Well, since then he signed an extension. Uh, he's won a couple of MVPs and last night he won a championship with one of the most remarkable final performances ever. When you're talking about what he did, he was just dominant. He scored almost half of Milwaukee's points. He scored 50. It was crazy. As you know, and I'm sure you watched and many of you did as well. Um, and, and the emotion and relief on his face, man, it's sport at its best, isn't it? When, when you see what it meant to him to do it and to do it there, and we'll get into what it means, you know, for him and, and, and the way the NBA's handled it over the last couple of years, but I was struck by a guy who stayed and you can give him a lot of credit for that. Also give Bucks ownership a lot of credit for that bids because they built a new arena. They redesigned the franchise from a uh, marketing standpoint. All that stuff matters. Um, they put everything in fast forward, put in a new arena, and then they went and got some players. 
They went and got players. And those players, you think about, are they at the level of some of these super teams players and wingmen? No. But Middleton was pretty good. He was pretty good last night. He's been pretty good in this series. And they found guys to play around him. Drew Holiday made some big threes last night. This was obviously Giannis's moment, but this was an organizational moment for Milwaukee. And I was thrilled. Um, I don't know how where your rooting interest was. I went into this thinking I was going to root for the Suns because um, I liked the way they played a little bit more. Um, but I couldn't help as the, as the clock was winding down last night hoping that Milwaukee would pull it out. Yeah, I had a little bit of uh, uh, coin on the uh, Suns and the money line, a, just a little bit. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't upset. So yeah, by the end of the game, there I was, goes I was, the I was happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a little bit to have a little fun. Um, I really did. I thought the Suns might pull it out, and especially after the Bucks got up early and the Suns came back and they were leading at halftime. I'm yeah. like, that's 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 bad news for the Bucks because they, you know, they seemingly uh, the Suns took their best punch and um, you know looked like the Suns were going to win. In my yeah. opinion, wrong, absolutely wrong. Giannis took over as you mentioned. I mean, one of the best closeout games ever with 50 points. His Achilles heel is free throw shooting. Well, three point shooting too, but Jeez. he doesn't three. He doesn't shoot threes that much so you know and he's not a terrible three-point shooter but he's usually a pretty bad free throw shooter 17 of 19 he has 14 uh rebounds five blocks again 50 points and i agree with you man i thought it was inevitable that he was going to leave we just see it all the time i mean milwaukee's had their own you know with with kareem leaving many many moons ago which ironically was the uh the last time they won a title 50 years ago with kareem um yeah i thought for sure that he if it wasn't going to be miami it'd be somewhere else um that's just what we see these days and if you come back like lebron did you at least leave uh see what else is out there so for him to re-sign with the bucks that was cool enough for them you knew they were going to be relevant for a while and for them to win the title, I mean, we've seen Cleveland win, and we've seen Toronto win, and now we've seen Milwaukee win in the last five years. So that's really cool. So um, it really is a nice story. And plus, Giannis seems like a good dude. You know, it's easier to root for he good does. dudes. So, um, yeah, even I was kind of pulling for the Suns. I mean, that was that was cool. I mean, the Bucks are, are a likable team. Middleton's a likable dude. And now for the Olympic team, at least it didn't go to seven, so we can get Booker, and we can get Middleton, and we can get Holiday <laughs> on a quick flight if out to Olympics, out to, out to right? Tokyo, <laughs> yeah, they play this Sunday, man, against France, and the uh, not, and that's not the knockout round. Do they the, really? But they, this is when it actually starts. They might they might only have nine players, depending on when those three guys get out there. And even if they get out there, they're going to want to play right away after playing in the finals. So might have nine players for the U.S. Uh, uh, when they uh, tip off the uh, the Olympics against France this Sunday. Again, it's just group stage, so they just have to you know finish at least in second place of that group and. They will. Then the knockout stage begins. So, but yeah, man, great game last night. Hats off to the Bucks. You brought up something interesting when you talked about Milwaukee and Toronto and Cleveland as cities who have won it. Um, this is atypical for the NBA. Um, what the run that we've had here, and then you throw in Golden State, which is certainly not a franchise of traditional power um, historically, and the, and and also in the three instances, with the exception of Cleveland, although I guess you could argue them too. It was done so with roster building from within. The Bucks drafted Giannis. Toronto drafted uh, Lowry. They traded for Kawhi, of course, but it was DeRozan who they drafted who allowed for them to trade for Kawhi. Uh, Golden State drafted all those guys. I mean, Durant came after, but their original group, that core, they drafted. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they got Durant because they were able, they were really smart with their money, and it was a a window on a salary cap. But but they drafted those guys. They developed them. Um, this is a sport. This is a league where I mean, five franchises 
I mean, the Lakers have won 17. The Celtics have won 17. That's 34. Spurs have won five. That's 39. Heat have won five. That's 44. Bulls have won six. That's 50. 50 titles in five teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, they don't share, is my point. There's no parity. Right, it's in not the this NFL. Sport. Right. No, no. This is a sport where, really, two franchises have a t- a, an incredible disproportionate amount. But then if you add those other three to it, and the Bulls have been irrelevant for 20 years. I mean, they had the greatest player of all time, and so they have the six in that window. But their stretch isn't spread over multiple generations. They have the one window um, where it happened. And and so you, you think about what has occurred here, and it's a pretty remarkable thing that the NBA has done this, and they've done it through – the teams that have been successful have done it through, with the exception of adding Durant on those last Warriors teams, traditional roster building, not super teams. Um, and that's great. It's good for the league that these things happen. There's a moment, and you know, we we continue to live in the great state of Ohio. And I've always felt like I've been here since '07. I know you've been here your whole life, um, but it does mean a little bit more. The SEC has a thing, you know, it just means a little more. I think in in cities like Milwaukee and Cleveland and Cincinnati, uh, Columbus to a lesser degree, from the standpoint of professional sports, obviously we know what the Buckeyes mean, um, and they kind of are our professional sport here. Um, but the professional sports get you through the tough winters, right? They they help get you through it. That's what they're there for. If you think about what the Reds mean to Cincinnati, you think about what the Browns mean to Cleveland, what it meant to Cleveland for the Cavaliers to win it, um, it's a warm blanket on a cold winter day, and that is what the Bucks have been uh, for Milwaukee for a long time. And this is a franchise that had Lou Cinder and Oscar Robertson. They've had great players. They had a great, they had great teams in the 80s. Uh, that were just not good enough to get through the Celtics. But they had some really good players in the 80s. Our great friend Michael Redd, of course, had a nice run with the Bucks, where he uh, put up some big numbers on some teams that were pretty good. Uh, they had the Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen era of, of teams. It's hard to do. You're not, even when you draft well and even when you developed, you're, you're not entitled a championship. You can do everything right, and it might not be enough. I mean, look at look at teams like Portland that have had you know, certainly the Clyde Drexler era uh, Blazers that that got close uh, before they met Mike. You think about at the end uh, of of that next decade when they had Rasheed Wallace and Scottie Pippen were on those teams, and and they got close, but they couldn't get through the Lakers. Um, and now they have Damian Lillard, and they they can't get through. I mean, that's thirty years of window that you're trying to bust through, and they've been largely good. It's hard. It's really hard to do. Look at Utah. Look at these franchises. You're not entitled to anything. It's, it's not a situation where if you do it right, it will equal this. Many times you do it right and it doesn't. You're just competitive. And so for them to break through and have the moment they had last night, I mean, there's, if, you know, everyone made fun of, of, uh, uh, one, a radio guy up in Cleveland said 1.3 million people at the at the Cavs parade. I'm not sure it was quite that high, but it went viral and all of a sudden it became fact. Felt like they had about 1.3 million people outside of that arena last night watching that thing. Um, and it meant a lot. I mean, that's that's the first championship in a long time for that city. Long, long time. Green Bay has had their success, sure, and they grab onto it. But this one was for that city independently. And it, it was a pretty cool moment. I, I, I have to say, I was moved by it. Yeah, and I don't know what to make of this. If we're seeing like a, a sea change here where we're going to see more parity in the NBA, where there's going to be more titles spread around Bo, or, or if this is just an anomaly where, you know, some teams have, have had some, uh, 
good fortune. I mean, you look at the Bucks this year. Yeah, the Suns were a really good team, but um, and he, I know they finished with the best regular season record. But I know going into the playoffs, not many people thought the Suns were the best team in the West. I no. thought that, or maybe they had the second best record out the out in the West. I think Utah had the best record. But I was thinking, I mean, think about it. if if Murray doesn't get hurt with Denver, that would have been different. If the Lakers were completely healthy, hello. I mean, I don't need to tell you that. Um, sure. If the Lakers were completely healthy. I think that they would have been, a, you know, a strong, strong possibility to repeat. So just the Sunday or other. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Mitchell with, uh, with Utah. There were so many guys that were in. Kawhi Leonard that, didn't play against Kawhi them Leonard. In, the, in the finals. He there got hurt go. in yeah, the Western Kawhi finals. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a lot of that. They were, you know, it was very fortuitous they even got there. So the Bucks, great story, but they had to have a little luck go their way too. And there were some injuries in the yes. East as well. So, and they almost lost Giannis. Um, so that was interesting how well he came back. You know, it looks like, is he even going to play in the finals? And he ends up just yeah. you know, having a tremendous finals. So you got to have some luck go your way. I don't know what to make of this. I tend to think there's still going to be super teams that go on runs yeah. where they at least win two in a row, maybe three in a row, and then it's hard to keep it together with the way the the salary cap is. But um, I mean, the Warriors, if they get all their guys healthy, they're going to be a big time problem. I think the Lakers are going to be a pr- big problem again next year if both LeBron and AD are healthy. I mean, we saw what that <laughs> what they could do when they were both healthy in the bubble. So I don't I don't know what to make of this. Hopefully, we're going to see more parity where they spread it around a little bit, but. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, th- I think what I make of it is that those questions, valid ones, are for another day. From the standpoint of this, no one looks back. Like if you're in the tr- if you're a Raptors fan, you don't look back and go, "Oh, that's because Clay tore an Achilles and Durant tore an Achilles and Steph was on an island." It's like we you want say a title. We want a that's it. That's right. That's it. No yeah. one looks back on it and goes, "Oh, this is why all these things happen." Guys like me bring it up, and then and then you go, "Oh gosh, that's right, I forgot about all that." But when you when you get on Wikipedia or NBA, wherever you get sports, pro, you know, pro basketball reference, whatever, and you look at championship one, you'll just see Toronto Raptors and you'll see Milwaukee Bucks. You're not going to say, "Well, if Durant doesn't hurt his toe or whatever, you know, then then the Nets win the champ." You're not going to say that. You're just going to see that team, and that's it. And they're going to hang a banner. And it changes a lot of trajectory. There's a lot to unpack here on this, and, and we'll have some fun with it. Today's fun program. Um, our, our eighth biggest question in the 10 o'clock hour is, can EJ Liddell become a Buckeye legend? And, and, and what exactly does that mean? Well, for perspective on that, we'll be joined by a guy who is. Clark Kellogg will join us in the 10 o'clock hour with some perspective on EJ. We'll ask him about Giannis and, and what happened last night as well. So we'll have a little fun uh, with Clark Bob Nightingale on Major League Baseball in the 11 o'clock hour. Also, at the 11 o'clock hour, right off the top, we hit you with, Hey, guys, uh, get your questions into Hayden right now at 971-BLS. Hashtag, hey, guys, you can ask Dave and I anything. It can be you know off topic. It can be Buckeye football. It can be depth chart, whatever you need. Uh, we will answer those in the 11 o'clock hour of the program. It is a first Friday miracle. We will get you your officially endorsed as well. Much more on this. Fun little first Friday program for you off and running. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here in the fan. If you miss a Buckeye game, it's because your radio is in tune to the right place. Always and forever your home for the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. Their favorite sport is we'll the radio uh, producer. You just sat there for 10 minutes. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need or search of replacement windows, check them out at windownation.com. 866-90NATION today. They will take care of you the way that they take care of us. The Milwaukee Bucks, your NBA champions. 
Um, and it's been an atypical group of champions here. When you think about Golden State, you think about Cleveland, you think about Toronto, and now Milwaukee, all of those teams, uh, all of those franchises are not franchises that uh, historically have hogged championships the way several have over the course of the NBA's history. Uh, this one was special. It was special because... It felt like a passing of the torch, uh, I think, and I, I say this as someone who's been pretty emphatic that LeBron James has been the best player in the NBA for probably about a dozen years or so, um, and and it does feel like that's official now, right? I mean, that's kind of the way that it seemed to me, and it seemed to be done so pretty emphatically. When you score 50 bids, that's that's in a, in a clincher. That's kind of does it, doesn't it? Um, and and obviously LeBron's age and all of those things. This seemed like a, a natural passing of the torch last night. Yeah, I, I, you make a good argument there. I, I tell you what, man. If I still had to win one game right now, I know it's it's crazy to say this the night after Giannis puts on the show. I'm still taking LeBron right now. I'm still taking LeBron right yeah. now. But Giannis is so much younger. He just did it last night. You know, when all the chips were down, is he going to choke? Uh, he goes the complete other direction. Like he he puts on a free throw shooting con- a, a show that we never saw coming. Fifty points. I mean, he continues to make. It's not just that he's blocking shots; it's how he's doing it. He's coming up with them at huge times. He's retaining possession. Uh, you could easily make the argument that the torch has been passed from LeBron to Giannis. I I'm going to push pause on that and say I would still take LeBron right now, but it's really really close. Yeah, I, I think it, this is the first time that I can say that 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 I wouldn't that that I would take Giannis right now. He's twenty six. He's twenty six years old. LeBron in the in two of his, his seasons in L A. hasn't been able to finish a season with injury, and more and more is going to come of that front. You know, I mean, he's going to get hurt again. I mean, Father Time is undefeated unless you're Tom Brady and you have some sort of witch doctor. Everybody else gets hurt and it then starts to break down and you're seeing this among the players around him you think about the injuries that Durant has had in the last couple of years serious injuries you think about the injuries to Harden and others Clay it's Thompson. hard to stay healthy Clay for sure yeah you don't know I mean as good as Steph was do they ever get in a point where they're all where it all aligns again and they're all healthy again before they get too old to do it so all for all of those factors it, it felt like it and the thing you have to think about with him is there's no reason to believe. I don't know how you felt, and I'm sure pro athletes feel even different. But most people will contend that your athletic prime is in your late 20s. He's just entering that. He's going to get better. He's That's going true. to get better, and and significantly so, probably. And usually, when you win a championship, there's a level that you can even jump up from there, right? Like you start to carry yourself differently as an NBA champion, and I, I think it's in, in the cards for him to do that as well. So. Um, it, it's a remarkable story. I'm, I'm thrilled for the city. I'm thrilled for him to be able to get it done. And, uh, and, and certainly this starts with him signing the extension and saying they believed in me and I believed in them and both sides win as big as you can win. Here's Giannis after winning the championship last night on the extension and what it meant. Man, I, I just, I just, I couldn't leave. You know, there was, there was, uh, there was a job that had to be finished. You know, I feel like the bubble did not pay, pay us, paid us justice, you know. Uh, give credit to Miami Heat. They played great, but it did not pay us justice. Like, everybody was feeling homesick. We are a family-oriented team. Wanted to see our families. And, and uh, but, you know, coming back, I was like, this is my city. You know, they, they trust me. They believe in me. They believe in us. Even when we were, like, we were lost, the city still was, like, on our side. And... Um, you know, obviously, I want I wanted to get the job done. 
you know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, I, I don't put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way I chose to do it. And we did it. Oh, I love that last part. Um, you know, go to a super team and win a championship, it's easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I chose to stay. I mean, that's What's a that shot knife, to me. Baby? <laughs> yeah, it's a shot at Durant, I think, without yeah. question. Um, and, yep. and the way that he went about it. And, you know, this has been going on for a while in the league, but it seems like a pretty good shot. I'm going to give you, I'm going to read you some names, all right? Uh, in fact, I'm going to read you 14 names. You're going to know what these are, and the audience will probably pick up on it pretty quickly. But but think about this for a second. Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Trey Burke, C.J. McCollum, Michael Carter-Williams, Stephen Adams, Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad. Those are the 14 players in the 2013 draft who were drafted ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep. And people are thinking, well, that's crazy. Well, you know, not a lot of people knew about him, and Giannis was very yeah. raw at the time. His rookie year, he averaged only 6.8 points. And he yep. started to break out that next year. He doubled it. He was averaging 12.7, and then it was 16.9. Then he really broke out in 2016-17, 22.9. It was like, and then he had a great playoff. I think they you know, were out in the first round, but it was like, this guy's the next superstar. And that's why I laugh a little bit. This, but he's such a great dude. I, I laugh in a, you know, in a warm-hearted way when I hear him say, they embraced me. Of course they did. Like you, you yeah. got the nickname Greek Freak like five years ago. They were like, everybody in Milwaukee's like, is there any way we can keep this guy? But then he looks yeah. at us like, they, they embraced me. Of course they did. Um, they'd be crazy not to. But yeah, man, that is funny to look back on that draft. Like nobody knew who this kid was. And then he comes in, averages, you know, six, seven points a game as a rookie. It's like, okay, maybe there's something here. And then he just takes off after that. It's been, uh, what a great, I mean, this is the easiest thing in the world to say. What an unbelievably great draft pick that was for the Bucks. I had to go look at that. It's funny you brought that up, but I didn't know you were going to bring that up. I was wondering, was he one of those guys who was like a draft and stash? Did they get him like in the second round and then he like two years later? He, no. They drafted him and he came in the next year and uh, just worked his way up. And uh, But I had forgotten that he was even a first-round pick. Well, it's it's also, you know, this, there's been a pretty good case study here on, you know, your European scouting. When you think about Jokic winning MVP and now Giannis doing what he's done. I mean, Don has been doing it for a long time, but I mean, you know, Jokic was a second round pick. So this is, this is, these are, these are fines. These aren't number one overall guys, you know? I mean, even Luka Doncic, who was, you know, not the first round, first pick in the draft that year. Um, you know, so there's, these are fines. And th- this is, this is something where your credit to your European scouting because they've, they've nailed it if you've landed these guys and developed them. And I give a lot of credit to him, rightfully so. And I also think you have to give a lot of credit to the Bucks organization and ownership because they built a new stadium, and that's part of it, right? They, they needed one, and they built one. Uh, I'm sure, I, I don't know the details of it. I don't know how much the city was involved, but I know ownership was big in pushing that. They got it done. They got a new stadium. Um, they rebranded the franchise in terms of the look of it. The way they look now is not the way they look when Giannis came in uh, to the Bucks. And then they went and got some good players and good coaching. They made a coaching change. All of these things are a part of it. He is not re-signing with the Bucks team that drafted him. He's not. He's re- because as loyal as you are to cities and all of that, all of these guys want opportunity. And I think that's one thing real quickly here 
where the parallels to LeBron in 2009 die because that was a mismanaged Cavs franchise that LeBron left. Very mismanaged. In, look at who they drafted. Right. Look at who the coaches were. Look at the supporting cast around him that he had to lift up. He didn't have Chris Middleton. He didn't have Drew Holiday. Right? He had about the end of the line for Antoine Jameson. He made Mo Williams an all-star, for crying out loud. So that 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 is this that is an apples to apples. They brought in um, so there's Shaq a lot of year. credits go around. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Here they it brought was crazy. in Shaq at the very. Yeah. I love I love Shaq. I love. I'm sure you do too. Right. Um, right. That, that was the end of the end of the, the end, end of, of Shaq. Yes. Like, yeah. There's like three endings for Shaq, and I think that was the yeah. the last. Yeah, you're right. That's that's the, the supporting cast they put around LeBron. There was no no Chris Middleton's, no holidays, no. nothing like that. Not even probably a, a Brooke Lopez. Um, no. No, you know no. Bobby Portis. How about Bobby Portis becoming a dude? Like, yeah, I mean it's a yeah. fun team. This Bucks teams that they're they're a, they're fun. You know they're an uh, an easy team to root for for sure. They are, and you um you you find you find your I found myself rooting for them even though initially I thought I'd root for the Suns. So good job out of them. Um, but Nick Saban said something that hit us at the end of the show yesterday. We didn't have much time to expand upon, and I I thought about it more in the afternoon, and I thought about it last night, and I just thought. Well, that was that exceeded everything that I certainly thought was possible this quickly. We will get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here in the fan. When that alarm clock goes off, morning juice comes on. The perfect way to dominate your day or just lay around the house. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The fan. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis's What's Up. What's up, man? So Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. All right, here's what's up on a first Friday edition of the program, in addition to the Bucks winning a championship. Kind of busy. We got the Olympics going. We had the U.S. women's soccer team uh, losing today. You mentioned the basketball team. The uh, Olympic uh, flag bearers have been named. So it appears that they are hesitantly moving forward on the Olympic front. We'll see how things go over the next couple of days, but optimistic uh, that, that they can get done. Um, but this was something that, uh, that that caught my attention yesterday and acknowledging that we continue to do this show in Columbus, Ohio, a hotbed of college football, and considering I'm doing the show with you today, my friend, I thought this would be a fun one for us to discuss. Nick Saban is speaking yesterday. And by the way, SEC media days are going on in Hoover, Alabama, Saban yesterday is speaking at a Texas high school coaches clinic. Wrap your okay. So that just so you understand what we're dealing with here, right? So recruit, 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 never stop recruiting. So he's talking at this Texas high school coaches clinic and says that their quarterback, who hasn't played it down, that people would be blown away by how much money he's made already, and that it's upwards of seven figures. So when you hear him say that, what do you say? I am shocked that the number is this high this fast. Um, I knew it was going to be crazy. I couldn't wait to see. I was just fascinated to see how it's going to play. I'm, st- I'm still fascinated. This, we're still yeah. uh, at the very beginning of this race. Um, Bo, I did not think we'd be, would be talking about seven figures this fast. I, I, I thought we'd be talking about, you know, you know, the ones that would grab headlines would be like six figures, you know, barely into the six figures, which is, you know, that's pretty good for a college kid last time I checked. Maybe sign an yep. endorsement deal when you're 18, 19 years old for $100,000. That'd be pretty good coin. 
Now we're talking about a million or close to a million. Um, I didn't think the, the money would get that big this fast. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. There's already a ton of money in college football. These boosters are, are just, you know, millionaires or billionaires. Um, a lot of these business owners. The one that, that took me back was how a, a journalism company, uh, the Texas Ags has enough money to, <laughs> to pay these guys $10,000 for interviews. But that's $10,000. That's not a million dollars. So. But this is Alabama. Um, you know, he is the quarterback. He was the number one quarterback in the country. Same class as CJ Stroud. It was Bryce Young number one, DJ at Clemson number two, and CJ Stroud number three, depending on your, on what service you look at. That's how 24 sports, 24 seven sports had it. So yeah. all three, all three of those guys, man, are going to pr- do pretty well. You got to wonder about CJ Stroud. You know, I mean, if he's, He's the guy, and it looks like he will be the guy. Um, you know, how much is he going to make now? It's just this whole thing is just so fascinating. Well, okay, all of that is is true. I, I'm not sure if this statement is okay because as I initially thought of it, I thought, boy, that's a that's a shock. And by the way, if Bryce Young is making it, awesome, good for him. That's great. If that's what his name, image, and likeness is worth, then he should be able to make every penny of it. I have no problem with it. Uh, I think that it will be the Wild West early and that it will come back. I think people will maybe throw around some stuff early that'll, that will eventually come back as everyone tries to figure out how to navigate this. Um, and I do think that, the, that there will be big money early as businesses start to figure out how they want to handle this. Um, but I also thought, as the day went along, let's consider the source. Let's consider the platform. And let's consider the value of the platform. So if you're Nick Saban, if you're Nick Saban and you're speaking at the Texas high school coaches clinic and you know that this is going to be something that's going to be covered, that this this is noteworthy, you're the head coach at Alabama and you're speaking at the Texas high school coaches clinic. It tells you about all you need to know that it's really (laughs) important to recruit Texas. I believe we know that, right? We do a pretty damn good job in the state of Texas. Um, and, and you say something like this. It's an attention getter. And if you're saying to recruits, come here, you come be the quarterback after Bryce Young, he hasn't taken a snap, a meaningful snap, and he's going to make a million bucks. That raises eyebrows. And there's no way to prove if Bryce Young did or not. Frankly, what Bryce Young makes on endorsements is none of our business. It's none of our business. Why should we know that? There's no salary cap. We're not entitled to know what these guys make or on on endorsements in any way. It's not, they're not professional athletes. They're not state it's, employees. You they're know? not state it's employees. Like, it's like we they're can not look Nick up Saban the making nine point three million. Right. We it's can look up what the assistant coaches make, but this you're right. This is not you know the, we don't have the right as a public to know. I think we're going to find out. It's interesting. This came from Saban, and I hadn't thought about that angle. Very very astute point on your part mr i just Bo find it hard there to is a chance that he was embellishing like for sure maybe yes. greatly greatly embellishing like you come yeah. here or you, you think this little uh ten thousand dollars things at tex ags is good uh oh that will yeah, take absolutely. ten thousand dollars we'll raise you to a million how about that how does that sound yeah. um right there, because there what he be doesn't have that. bids you know what else he doesn't have he doesn't have i mean alabama I mean, it, it's in tuscaloosa the biggest market in the city is birmingham now alabama is close it's they close love the governor. To an, they do love, yeah. It's close. I don't know who the governor is now, but they. You're right. They and I, I do certainly get the reference. the <laughs> The thing that is tricky here 
is he is he has certain disadvantages at Alabama in that he does not have a major city that he owns. Alabama, University of Alabama is not in Columbus, Ohio. It's not in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's not in Austin, Texas. It's not in Los Angeles, right? He's not close to Tampa and Orlando. He's not close to Atlanta. He's not close to Nashville. Now, there are certainly Bama fans in Nashville. I mean, it's a huge brand. I'm not diminishing it. Uh, but Alabama is not a national brand. It's, it's most especially a regional brand. Um, it's, it's not even Ohio State in that sense for all their success. And they're the best program in the history of the sport. But he has to try to say, you can do this here too. You don't have to go to a city like Columbus with all the Fortune 500 companies that we have and all the advantages we have and all the money that we have in our city. You can do it here. And here's proof. Here's my quarterback who's never taken a snap. This is what he's done. I think he put Bryce Young in a tough spot. I do. For a kid who's never started, never taken a meaningful snap, this kid's going to be made available to media at some point in the next couple of weeks. And what are the questions going to be? Exactly. And you know what, Bo? Bids. Let, let's say let's say Saban is embellishing and greatly embellishing. I, I don't want to say lying. And so that puts sure. Bryce in a real tough spot. He, he can't yes. come out. I mean, I guess he could. He can't come out and say, well, coach is lying. I'm not really making that, you know, and then like, oh, by the way, you're not the starting quarterback now, Bryce. Um, not the, <laughs> That'd be pretty stupid for Saban to do that. But sure. like, that puts him in a tough spot. Either, well either it's legit and he has to talk about nothing but that to your point. Or if, if Saban is greatly embellishing, it puts him in a tough spot where he kind of has to go along with the fib you know it's weird that Saban put it out there I think you could be right I didn't thought I did not think about that that could have been 100% recruiting because that's what's on their mind all the time it's all all he cares about yep it's all he cares about and now you're talking about if if you're a grown man you're 40 I'm a grown man I'm 40 if somebody came to me and started asking me about my finances after someone, it's, are you comfortable doing that? Do you like telling people, the public, your finances? Now be 19. Right. Now be 19. Maybe back then it and wouldn't bother me as much. <laughs> Man, no, yeah, probably yeah, not. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling in still, a baby. No, but I hear what you're like, saying, though. It's an yeah. awkward spot to put a kid in. <laughs> it is. It's a really weird it spot. Is. And now Bryce Young, who doesn't have a whole lot of experience in front of the media, he's a California kid, isn't he? Yeah, he is a California Pretty sure. kid. Because I think all yeah. three of those all three of those guys came from California. The, like the three best quarterbacks in the country right. in that class were all from California. They all came they all came east. He went to Alabama. D, DJ went yeah. to Clemson, and and uh, CJ Stroud went to Ohio State. And man, that would never you know as everybody knows who's a college football fan uh, who's listening to this show. And I'm, I know you know this, Bo. That would never have happened 10, 20 years ago. USC no. would have gotten those guys. Or they would have. There's no way all three of the best quarterbacks in California, the three best quarterbacks in the country. Would would have left California to come east. Um, no. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see how it plays out with I know this is a different topic but just real quick it's going to be fun to see how that plays out this year with Bryce Young taking over there at Alabama, DJ at Clemson and CJ Stroud at Ohio State. Who's going to rise to the top amongst those three? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, hard to bet against DJ with what we saw last year. And I I think CJ's going to be great, but I the DJ's got a heck of a leg up with what we saw last year and the experiences he had. Um but yeah, I back to the point. Are we sure? And, and Saban put this kid in a tough spot, I think. Um, Deion sure. Sanders, and, and by the way, I hope he is. I hope he makes every penny that he's due for his name, image, and likeness. I'm pro that. Make it all. Good for you. Awesome. Um, I know Deion Sanders a little bit in the sense that I've interviewed him about a dozen times. What happened nice. yesterday is the least surprising thing of all time. 
Uh, we will get to that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here in the fan. The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The fan, Ohio sports destination. First Fridays are a thing. Drinking bad bourbon is not a thing. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, this was uh, Deion Sanders, uh, the head coach at Jackson State. Um, at his uh, his uh, media days, his conferences media days, uh, being asked a question uh, from a writer of the Clarion Ledger uh, in Jackson, uh, Mississippi, and uh, the back and forth is pretty classic. Go ahead and play it, Hayden. Okay, let me let me get Nick. Let me get Nick. Nick's a good guy. Nick's us. You're up. Hey, Dion. I was just wondering if you could. Oh, uh, oh, oh, let's back up a little bit. You don't call Nick Saban Nick. Don't call me Dion. Okay. I call Nick Saban Nick. Yeah, yeah, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a lie. <laughs> you, if you call Nick Nick, you know you get cussed out on the spot. So don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. Okay, <laughs> Dion. Um, <laughs> just. Uh... <laughs> you call him Prime. Good job. Good job out of Nick Suss, by the way. Um, remember, there was a Tusca. Was it a Birmingham television guy who threw the fit a couple of years ago about this? About you yes. know, call it, he's Coach Saban. He's not Nick. He's not Saban. He's Coach Saban. Um, when we were at the, when we were, you know, we've had a couple of interactions, obviously, with with Alabama. Did you call it? How do you refer to coaches? I use their first name now. I every once in a while, I'll say Coach. I almost feel like them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's like I almost like slipped. Like yeah. I almost feel like bad. Like I, you're supposed to as a journalist use their first name. Like when I would have fans. Like when you know we would do an Urban press conference, they would say stuff like you know on our Bucknuts message board. Like I, I noticed you guys just refer to Urban as Urban. Like is he okay with that? Yeah, he's not our coach. Like, (laughs) (laughs) as much as we would love to be Ohio State football players, guess what? Urban's not our coach. His name is Urban Meyer. Now, sometimes I would say coach, Coach Meyer. I do the same thing with Ryan Day. Most often we'll call him Ryan. And pretty much everybody on the beat does. Some people will just say coach, you know, I, you know, Coach Day, but it's mostly, um, Ryan. It was mostly urban. And yeah, sometimes fans are, are taken aback by that. But, uh, yeah, I guess I, at first I thought he didn't want to be called Dion because he wants to be called Prime, but it's like he, he thinks that all of the media calls Nick Saban Coach Saban. That's not true. That was just that one guy that was like a, a fanboy on the, uh, Alabama beat who didn't like. Anybody referring to? Yeah, it was a TV. It was like a sports director or something. A big, like a main television sports guy in Birmingham, if memory serves. Who who did that? Um, yeah, the morning I, anchor, always, Rick Carl. So yeah. It is different. Is that who right? was? Was he it a news different. anchor? Yeah, news anchor for WVTM thirteen. That is a little different, as you know, Bo, from your experience with TV. I mean, that is a little different. Like there is a little bit more of. Um, you know, you're kind of almost in between as far as like the vernacular with what a fan would use and what like a you know hardcore journalist would use. You know what I mean? I mean, you're trying to be well, an entertainer. you're trying to be a an morning news anchor. Yeah, you're trying to be an entertainer. Like if you're Dom Taberry, you're, you're you're probably talking. You're probably calling him, you know, Coach Meyer more than you are Urban. Probably. Where if you're like a print writer, you're probably in a certainly, press conference referring to yeah. them by their first name. Yeah. Certainly in this market, um, I was actually surprised when I got here how much like because this is a big market for, for college sports it's the biggest and where college sports is the primary source of interest um and i was surprised like when i first got to channel 10 that andrea cameron would wear like buck nuts around her neck the the necklace and i thought or the buckeyes and i thought geez that's 
that's incredible because like even in Tallahassee, I we didn't do that. I didn't wear <laughs> I didn't wear garnet gold ties like because there were Gator fans and there were Georgia fans. And then they would be offended. So we played it. We didn't do it that way there, uh, the way that we do it here. And and I think both are fine. It doesn't really matter. I, I tend to be a coach guy. I guess I'm a coach guy. I just call everybody coach. And I don't know if it was when I was young, the first coach that I really covered a lot was Bowden. And I just, there's no way that I could call him Bobby. Bobby. That just as a 22-year-old, like there's no way I was going to call him hey, Bobby. Yo, Bobby. You know? It was like that one kid at Indiana. Yeah. He wasn't a reporter. That right. Bobby Knight's last name just referred to him as Knight. Hey, <laughs> Knight. He, goes, he goes, what's up, Knight? What's up, Knight? And, and, and Bobby yeah, Knight went off on him. Yeah. Gra- I think grabbed him. I, yeah, he, I think that was the end. Wasn't that, that the, was end? the end? That was the because he was already yeah. like on, you know, with the uh, with everything that had double happened. secret he was probation. On, he was already on double secret. That's a good way to put it. And then uh, I can't remember if he actually grabbed the kid or if he just yelled he at him. I think he threw did him against like, a wall. I yeah, think, I think he did like, throw him, but kind of like you know forcefully grabbed him, him maybe. Wall, yeah. And then they were like, okay, this is it. That's um, enough. Yeah. yeah. And the kid's dad What's, was like a professor who'd been critical <laughs> of what? Coach Knight and then all of that. Yeah. What's up? Um, I will say this about Dion. Um, he prefers prime, like he he's pushed prime forever, even and more than anything. Um, and in my interactions with him, he has been, uh, he gives you as a media exactly what you want. Like if you, he's one of those guys. Roy Jones Jr. had this ability um, of he knew the camera was on always, and would give you exactly what you wanted. I found him to be wonderful. Um, I, I was telling Hayden in one of the breaks, he's one of the few people you met who the ego matches the talent. Like, it actually, it's fine. It's hard to say, oh, he's, he's all right. ego. Well, he should be. <laughs> he probably should be all ego. He's one of the coolest players in the history of the sport. Yes. And I also think that he's fully aware that in a of, of where it is. Today, this is SEC Media Day in the state of Mississippi. Okay? He's the coach at Jackson State. Does this get attention? Yep. Is that what he's trying to do? Yep. It worked. It worked. I mean, there's probably a reason he called. It could have even been that he knew that Nick Suss, who I think we had on the show when we talked about Mississippi State, he would he would know that that would happen and knew that that interaction would take place and knew that it would elicit that response. I think that's all in play. Everything he does is pretty calculated, and, and I, I think this probably was as well. Uh, it's good stuff. I enjoyed it. Uh, all right. We're on to question number eight of the 20 big questions. By the way, get your Hey Guys questions in at 971BLS, hashtag Hey Guys. We will answer those. Dave and I will answer those in the 11 o'clock hour. They can be about life, kids, whatever, Buckeye recruiting, the depth chart, all of those things. Media days coming up, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, over in Indy. So we'll get to that in the 11 o'clock hour. The big question for today. Can E.J. Liddell become a Buckeye legend, and how do we define that? And Clark Kellogg coming up in about 20 minutes. Fun for you on a first Friday. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. If you say something with confidence, then you can't be wrong. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And Dave Biddle in for threes today before heading off. You're headed, when are you going to Indy, right? You going tomorrow? Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow. Tomorrow, yep. uh, you see the uh, news that Kevin Warren's adding 15 minutes to his chat. Well, so now he's going to filibuster for 45 minutes instead of 30. It's a long time to filibuster. What's the greatest filibuster you've ever seen from a, uh, a dignitary, a coach, uh, an athletic administration official? I mean, and I love Jim Trestle, but I think he's got That's to uh, be the, the king the, the king of that. Yeah, if, and he would do long press conferences. Like, Do you remember like, the one I'm thinking of, though? I know you were there. 
Well, there were so many to pick from. Uh, the Tatgate. I mean, what are we? Which one are we talking about? Um, oh, after the USC game. Was, after the USC no, no, no. game. It was. No, no, no. Those were that was the Tresser. That was a Tressel luncheon. Uh, I'm talking about the presser going into spring football, the first time that he had talked since Tatgate, and he was sitting there. I want to say he stood up there in a Hawaiian shirt, and he had an hour of availability. He went through every player on the roster. <laughs> Do you remember this? And he Vaguely. he was available for an hour. He was available for an hour, and he filibustered. I want to say for about 53 minutes. That sounds about right. That and then they called right. on Tim, Dom. It was like four people got to ask a question, and that was it. It was over. You maybe got one in. You or Helwig and maybe got one in, but it was maybe. It was four or five questions, and it was done, and that was it. The Do you remember this Tim- one? I, I, it was amazing. That, I do. I mean, there were so many, though. I mean, I've, I've covered that <laughs> thousands the of press conferences. There was many yeah. times stress. That one was... I love him was the filibuster king. The good thing is if Tim went, may get a question in, that means he's going to get like four questions in. I got one question, right. four parts. Uh, I love Tim May. I know you do, too. And then pass that. Yeah. You get yeah. that in there, too. Okay, like, okay three mean. three more, six parts each. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. About he got to the point. He's gotten to the point in recent years where he even acknowledges that uh, he doesn't. He'll even say, "I don't know if I'll get the mic again." You know, like I don't know if I'll have another opportunity. So here's all three, and and we'll get them all in. Uh, but yes, he's he is the Tress was the king of the filibuster to say the least. Um, Clark Kellogg, one of the all time greats, going to join us in about 15 minutes. Uh, the reason we are having Clark on today, other than the fact that we just love to talk to him, is question number eight on our 20 big questions we want answered over the course of the next calendar year on the sports calendar, and it, in regard to EJ Liddell. And the reason that we wanted to have this conversation is because EJ decided to come back. And you say to yourself, okay, what can be achieved by coming back? And I would say a lot. I would say a lot. And I would say that this is a, an incredibly astute decision for EJ. Um, he is going into his junior year. He is a first-team all-Big Ten performer from a year ago. They are going to be really good. They're going to be really good. And in an era of name, image, and likeness, and in a city like this, there is an opportunity for him to become something that is here unique, and that is a Buckeye legend. And you say, okay, well, you know, how do you define that? What does that mean? Well, the way that I would define it is that be, be great while you're here, go and make your money, and come back, and this city will embrace you unlike few cities in the world can in regard to collegiate athletes. It will take care of you. And he has an opportunity to do that. And that is a special thing to do and a special thing to be. And Clark's that. Uh, and you think about Scooney is that. You think about Ronnie Stokes. You think about Michael Red, and, and to varying degrees of professional success. You think about this team that is coming together in the basketball tournament. You think about Diebler and Lighty and Buford and Sullinger and Kraft. They are revered in a town where it matters to be revered. This is not, you know, some podunk city where there there isn't there is an opportunity. Opportunity abounds here for for guys who who want it. And and to think beyond the next couple of years in your professional career and think about where where am I going to spend the rest of my life? Where am I going to be? You want to be relevant, right? You want a chance to make a living, a good living. You want to matter. Those things those things all matter to guys. And EJ has an opportunity to do that this year here by coming back. And it's my hunch that Coach Holtman presented this to him 
in what essentially is going to become a regular thing where it's going to be the re-recruitment of your own players, whether it's in the transfer portal or going pro, whatever, um, and said, look, there is an opportunity here for you that is unique, and I don't know if it's duplicable in that many places around the country. I really don't. I've loved this kid since he was in high school. I mean, for you to be Mr. Basketball in the state of Illinois, which is a, they have a really good, you know, high school basketball, not just once, but twice, leading his team to state titles. I mean, you know, and, you know, he, he's six, six, listed at six, seven, but he plays like he's six, nine. But he made a great decision to come back, not just because we want him to come back because we love the Buckeyes, because, well, you know, he did start to come on as a three shooter. That didn't happen till like midseason. I think he needs a whole season of, um, you know, showing that he can be a three shooter because he's not going to get any taller. Um, now again, he plays much bigger than his size. I've called him kind of like our version of Charles Barkley. Um, yeah, he's gonna, not that he's, he's going to be as good as Barkley. As for the question of is he going to go down as an Ohio State legend? I think if he goes, which I think he is going to repeat and be a you know first team All Big Ten performer. Let's say then he goes pro, so he leaves his career with a really good freshman year and then a two time first team All Big Ten. Yeah, he'll he'll go down as as what we consider a, a you know, a legendary basketball player at Ohio State will be enough to get his you know number retired. Probably not. We might not look at him like that, but you're looking at a kid that is a sophomore, first team All Big Ten. He's he's tough as nails, and now he's adding that three point shot. If he can improve his percentage, just a couple of ticks as he shot, you know, by the end of the year, he was shooting good. I think thirty five percent and shoot it more often and show the pro ranks that he can hit that shot, he's going to have to be a small forward at the next level. He doesn't handle the ball well enough to be a shooting guard. He's not big enough to be a power forward. But you look what happened with Jay Sean Tate. Um, he was a guy that, you know, toward the end of his Ohio State career, he started to hit the three, and look what he's done. And he just kept working hard and hard and hard. EJ Liddell's a hard worker. So, yeah, very good decision to come back both for him and for Ohio State. And I think he is going to repeat and be a two-time first-team All-Big Ten performer, and that is really, really tough to do, especially now, but with 14 teams in the league. Yeah. Well, true. You, you had the extra component of that. There's, there's one other part of this that has to be accomplished, and this is where – you know, the pressure comes in because he does have to take this team on his back in March. That's what's required. I mean, that's what's required. You have to make a run. You got to get to an elite eight. You got to get to a final four. Uh, this team ought to have those expectations next year when you look at how it's been put together and you think of the depth they have. You think about how, how veteran this team is. Right, losing Dwayne will hurt, no doubt. There's no question. Uh, but they've gone to great lengths to replace him, and there's young players who are coming in who I know they're high on. Uh, they have a nice mix of veteran and young guys, and he can be the focal point of that. And he is not. I, I want to be very clear. He's a really nice player, and Buckeye legend is rarefied air. But the point is, is that it's in play for him. It's in play, and it's the individual component. And it's also the team component. And I think it's set up for him to kind of achieve those things. The other thing I think you have to have to, to achieve that role, certainly in basketball, is you gotta be here a little bit. Right? You gotta be here a little bit. Like, for as, as much as you appreciate Greg Oden or Mike Connolly or D'Angelo Russell, it's one year. It's one year. We hardly got to know him. Right? We hardly got to know him. They were brilliant, brilliant players, but you hardly got to know him. This is going to be his third year in town, his third year on campus. You know him. We know what he's all about. And so you, you think about that with 
I mean, I think of Scooney all the time with that sense. He's such a Pied Piper, and he was an All-American and took a team to a Final Four and all of that. But it helped that he was here a while. It helps that Dave Lighty was here a while, that Aaron Kraft was here a while, that John Diebler was here a while. Jared Sullinger was here for two years. I don't think people forget that Jared Sullinger was a first-team consensus All-American as a freshman and a sophomore, chose to come back for his sophomore year. Chose to. And he made that commitment to come back. No question. Yeah, he would well, they pick. undid him. To be fair, and this is a little bit of an off-topic, he was going to play off ball. He was going to play the four. Yep. And basically, what happened is, is wasn't it Amir Williams wasn't ready? Was it yeah, he and the big Jared who was going to play and, the five? And then he went into the I think NBA Combine had a sore back. I mean, he was still a first round pick right. by the Celtics, but I mean, but he played no mostly doubt. five. You're he right. He played mostly the five his sophomore yeah. year, and the thinking was he was going to play the four and play the You're stretch right. four. And the other, the bigs weren't ready. So basically, he ended up playing the five the whole year. And, and well, Amir wasn't time. even ready as a senior, let alone as, as a freshman. No, that hey yo, uh, sorry, is yeah. this thing on? No, 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 um, it's fair. I, that that era, <laughs> the era that there's no question, the era that followed those guys, something changed in terms of development, in terms of assessing players. All those things changed. But Jared's career, Jared is a Buckeye legend. I mean, he's a first time consensus All American, two time first time consensus All American. He was one of the most important players on the number one team in the country as a freshman, and he was the most important player, without question, on a team that went to the Final Four as a sophomore. And he came back. So he is that, for sure. And and there's a lot of value in that. And there is. And this, this city will wrap its arms around you, and I think EJ has a chance to do that, uh, based not only on his personal potential bids, but also on the I think we'll, it should be a squad. This should be a squad next year. I mean, there should be the expectations of Elite Eight. That should be kind of what's in the mix. I mean, the NCAA basketball tournament is a crapshoot. Absolutely. Get hot at the right time. You can make a run. Anything can happen. But in terms of win a Big Ten, be in contention in the Big Ten. I know Purdue's going to be legit. I know Michigan's going to be legit. But be in that mix and then make a run, and it's in the cards for him. And I think in name, image, and likeness era, and in this city specifically, there's more value in that than had he gone pro and been a second-round pick and had to play in Europe. The depth on this team, I can't wait to ask Clark Kellogg about this. The depth on this team is ridiculous. Like, even if they had 13 guys that were all legit players, you'd be like, wow, they got a full roster of like, there's no dead weight. They've got 15, because of the rules, everything with last year not counting, they've got 15 guys on scholarship. All of them are legit players. I know Chris Holman, the last thing he's worried about is keeping everybody happy. Um, but I'm curious how you're going to kind of, you know, try to massage that with you've got like, you know, a lot of guys now. Is everybody going to stay healthy? No. Um, so that might work itself out to some degree, but I've never seen anything like this where you look at this roster starting with EJ Liddell at the top and then working your way down. Um, and thank goodness they got the transfer from Louisiana to kind of take the spot of Dwayne Washington. Not that he's going to be as good, but you know, he's a scorer. They needed to add that. That was like, seemed to be like, like the one thing missing, a, a shooting guard that can create his own shot, although Malachi Branham's going to be good as a freshman. But 15 guys, Bo, 15 guys that can all play. So yeah. that's going to be very interesting to follow. I agree with you. They're going to be a really, really good team this season. Yeah, I do too. We'll ask the great Clark Kellogg, who himself is a Buckeye legend about this, among other things. That's coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Radio. It opens your mind to stimulating conversation and live sports. And best of all, it still costs zero dollars. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. The finest distillation of sports talk in all of Ohio. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. Bo Bishop and Dave Biddle in for uh, for uh, James today. We're joined now by Clark, Buckeye legend. Clark Kellogg joining us. A real privilege to have him on the Bryant 
Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Sir, thank you so much for the time. Uh, the conversation today is centers around EJ Liddell and his choice to come back. And, and Dave and I feel pretty strongly that it was a good one. And, and we think that this city's a big part of it. We think with name, image, and likeness, that can only get better. And his chance to develop. Uh, as you were watching this from, from your perch, uh, where did you come down on, on EJ's decision and the, and the opportunity here for him? Yeah, you know, first let me say it's great to be with you, Boo and Dave. A pleasure to, to jump on with you. Yeah, and to answer your question, from my vantage point, that's always a personal call for each individual who has the desire and the opportunity to be a pro player. When that time comes is up to him and his family. But looking at it objectively, I think it was a good call for EJ. I think he's got pro potential. I love his championship pedigree and competitive spirit. He is a winner. He is a champion in how he plays and the kind of teammate he is and the skill level he has. He certainly has some room for improvement, as do most college players, and I think he's going to take another big step forward. I mean, from his freshman season to this season, he made a tremendous jump, and you could see it coming at the end of his freshman year, his confidence growing, his minutes increasing, and then he went to work during the summer and became an All-Big Ten player, and I think he's got a really bright future. So I'm excited to see what he adds. I think his ball handling is the one area where he can make tremendous progress. Uh, you know, I spent 32 years with the Indiana Pacers, five as a player in an abbreviated career, and then um, 23 in the front in the as a broadcaster, and then another four in, in the front office and player development. And I was there when we drafted Paul George and Lance Stevenson. Both of those guys were 19 years old back in 2010 when we drafted them. And you could see both of them have great potential. But Paul George, you could see stardom in his future. And the one thing he did that made him take a big jump was to handle, to tighten up his handle uh, during the course of a two-summer period. His handle went from being early morning handle when there's no traffic around and you can dribble it effectively <laughs> to rush hour handle where you can go from wherever you want to in the busiest of times in traffic. And that is part of what I think EJ has to add is maybe not going to that level, but he's got to make improvements in being able to maneuver to his spots. Um, particularly on the perimeter, and that'll come with um, with work, and I'm sure he'll put that time and effort into that. Clark, I love the Buckeyes roster coming into this next season. We've never seen depth like this. It'd be one thing, you know, if they had 13 <laughs> players, which is usually the max of scholarship players, and they have no dead weight, and they have 15 scholarship players because yeah. of the of the rule, of course. I mean, I know Chris Holtman, he, he he wants to win. He's not trying to keep guys happy, but how do you massage that this year and you know somewhat keep guys happy um, with so many good players on this roster? Well, that's always a double-edged sword in some ways you clearly want to have quality depth and the fragility of team chemistry is something you have to deal with every season i mean it just doesn't go away each year no matter how many guys you have coming back you have to reset that and chris and his staff will do a job of making sure the pieces fit and in the players i mean hey it's just not on the coach and the coaching staff it's on the players to not only accept roles but embrace roles and be willing to make sacrifices uh, as it plays out. But I do like the quality of the depth from what I know of the players returning and some of the guys coming into the program. 
I don't know as much about them, but um, I do think it is a pretty um, deep and um, high-quality roster, and, and that bodes well for this season. The great Clark Kellogg joining us on the Brian Hating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Clark, um, I, I, I tend to contend that Ohio State is pretty well-positioned for this new era in college basketball, and it does seem like a new era to me. Uh, the transfer's mm-hmm. been around for a long time, but we're going to have new tra- – we're going to completely free transfer uh you're also going to have the end of the one and done era so you're going to want teams that i would think that would get old and and stick around Mm -hmm. and when you add the city of columbus uh in a name image and likeness scenario that that Mm -hmm. would be pretty good and it seems like holtman's got a pretty good handle on all of this uh what do you view of the way that he's building this thing and and some of the points that i've made i absolutely love chris we got a chance to meet him when he's an assistant coach at ou and he and John Gross were recruiting, recruiting our younger son, Nick. So I've gone back a ways with Holtman, Chris Holtman um, on, a, um, on a personal level and on a basketball level. So I have the greatest deal of admiration and respect for not only who he is, but how he does the job. And you're right, the Buckeye program is well positioned for tremendous success going forward. And uh, he does have a handle on what is really a – transitioning landscape in college basketball the nil name image and likeness is going to create a bit of a wild wild west landscape in terms of how you adjust to educating institutions and players to to navigate that space the transfer portal is going to have some um, unintended and intended consequences but the point you make about being able to get better and older quicker is a reality now and Chris has embraced that reality, as have many other college coaches. So I think it'll be really interesting, but the Buckeyes are well-positioned and have always been well-positioned, guys, because of the magnitude of this institution, the reach, the support, the resources. That This place has always been special in multiple ways, and that doesn't change. It's just enhanced, in my opinion, because of the um, opportunity players will have and athletes across all sports will have to embrace name, image, and likeness. The city of Columbus, the institution of Ohio State, will lend itself very well to to student-athletes being able to exercise this newfound freedom and empowerment. Clark, uh, Chris Holman obviously had a vacancy on his coaching staff that he needed to fill, and I'm hearing he hit a home run with uh, Tony Skin, stole him away from Seton Hall. I'm hearing great things about uh, Tony Skin, only 38 years old, former player at George Mason, of course. What what are you hearing about Coach Skin so far? Well, the great Woody Hayes, the great late Woody Hayes says you win with people, and that's the reality, whether you're broadcasting, whether you're coaching, whether you're in business, you win with people. And I don't know Tony particularly well, but everything I know about him through others who do know him is that you're right. It was a platinum-level get, and that doesn't surprise me because I know Chris, and this institution, again, attracts the best and the brightest across all disciplines, so I'm excited. I met him briefly, covering him when he made a run to the Final Four back in 2006. I've been around doing that CBS stuff long enough to start covering (laughs) former players and their kids now you know so had a chance to see him way back in 06 when george mason made that unbelievable run to the final four so yeah high quality highly respected tremendous teacher and communicator and if you got those attributes uh, you're going to be successful and that's what it sounds like tony has been and will be um, for ohio state 
the great Clark Kellogg with us. Clark, I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, as someone who spent the amount of time, he's 32 years in the Pacers organization and, and knows some of the challenges of keeping players, uh, what, what we saw last night in Milwaukee with Giannis – um, who validated, and the organization too, because they did their part. It, he stayed, but they put him in a great spot to want to stay, and that's a part of it. Uh, what was it like for you watching him culminate uh, what has been a remarkable career already uh, with a championship for Milwaukee? Uh, my cup overflows with rejoicing and joy on so, so many levels. I mean, he embodies a great, inspirational story based on his upbringing, where he came from, Nigeria, Greece, the struggles his family endured, and his persistence, his perseverance, his work ethic, maximizing the unique gifts he has. And then you think about the small market component. I'm a small market guy. I mean, I've spent 32 years with the Indiana Pacers and saw some great teams there. And uh, it's amazing to see Milwaukee rise to the level of champions um, based on their star player being committed. Everybody has to make their own calls in this world as as far as how they're going to pursue their dreams. But Giannis is a bit of a throwback, and that does my heart great. I know it does basketball fans across the country and world great. And then our son is actually a video coordinator with the team this season. Nick, who played at OU and had been playing overseas COVID kept him from wow. going back to Europe. He took a paid internship position with the Bucks as a video coordinator. And nice. man, I tell you, um, to see him be blessed in this way, that whole organization and city and the players and coaches, I've got friends that are coaches there and other relationships, man, it just, um, it gives you a feeling of such joy and gratitude. Um, that um, I was actually in tears last night. I was in tears this morning. Yeah. Me and my wife talked about it. Uh, it's just a heck of a feel-good, a heck of a feel-good, one of life's um, splendor moments and memories, and um, I'm connected to it fairly personally through um, through our son and knowing some of the people there. So, uh, And Giannis, I mean, how can you not uh, be excited and happy for what he's accomplished and how he's done it? staying the course and doing it in a small marketplace. I mean, it's just, um, there's so many ways I could go, but I'm thrilled. And Michael Red is a dear friend. I know he's rejoicing in all the former books. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a city championship. It's a former players. It's an organizational championship. I mean, when those things happen, it is, um, it is uh, richly gratifying on a lot of different levels. Clark, we can't thank you. And I didn't realize that's awesome. That Nick's that involved awesome. in that too. I, you know, you lose track of things with COVID. I, I was unaware that he's there. That's an incredible thing. That, that's so cool. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that story and giving us a little bit of your time today. We're lucky to have you as an ambassador for the university and the city as well as you do it. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it, Bo. And I'm uh, blessed to be part of the great family of the Ohio State University in this great city of Columbus. Uh, I'm a proud Buckeye, bleed scarlet and gray. And I got a little blue and gold from the Pacers in my heart, too. So appreciate hanging out with you guys. He is the best. He is the great Clark Kellogg of uh, CBS, Buckeye great, one of the all-time greats, and a Buckeye legend, which is legend. how we got into this entire thing. I didn't realize Nick was there. That's I didn't know that either. How about that? To that? That's so cool. <clears throat> so, so very cool. cool. So, so cool. Very good stuff. And uh, when you can have Clark Kellogg on, 
That's a that's a big win for everybody. Um, speaking of Buckeye legends, many of them will be participating in the basketball tournament, which for them starts on Friday. We'll get into that a little bit coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice, the hardest working radio show in the business. This may offend our other shows, but honestly, they're too lazy to care. Weekdays from noon to three. The Fan. The best, best in the Midwest. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. You know, I to me, Bids like Clark is uh he's the one of the gold standard guys. Yes. You know, I put it he's with Archie and Eddie and um he's kind of the basketball representative of that and, and, and Herbie certainly too in terms of from a you know, from that side of it. But um Clark Kellogg has been the face of college basketball and the place that matters most for it seems like as long as I can remember. And he it. I mean, he's, been, he's a Great ambassador for Ohio State in general. Incredible. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's it's just a remarkable... The job that he has is a more remarkably important one. He's had it for a very long time. And he. it's amazing how much, to me, when we get to March, how much he shines. Because for all of the you know tomfoolery that, that Kenny and Charles bring to it, and I understand the value of that, he... Clark does... Think about this. As established as he is, he, what's amazing is he's does the work the homework like he knows the teams like the back of his hand he knows the rosters he knows everything he's so prepared he's the nicest guy ever and in a in those that studio show now where where there's a little more tomfoolery than there used to be certainly with the partnership with tnt he's the information guy and i think he shines even brighter there and he still has while he is like the you know the the kind of the straight and arrow compared to those guys he still is charismatic and has all those oh, cool so catchphrases and he's like yes. you know he's creative you know you know stuff yeah. stat sheet stuff so on there you know he, he's got he's got all the yeah. cool phrases and uh yeah, I mean, Clark Kellogg, I'll tell a story real quick. My uh, 79-year-old mother in the Dayton area was telling me, she's like, I just love Clark Kellogg. He had those commercials, you know, like uh, that he was running. She's like, I just love him so much. That's probably yeah. the, the the attitude of everybody around Ohio or everybody who knows Clark Kellogg. Like, you're never going to hear a negative word about that guy. And you're right. He does a great job on CBS and TNT. And uh, we're uh, beyond fortunate to have him as a Buckeye. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's in, he's absolutely incredible. The basketball tournament starts uh, on Friday for Carmen's crew, and a lot of familiar faces. I was told Aaron Kraft was done. Now he's back. What is he, he's Brett back. Favre, with the retirements? Kraft, back, what are you baby. doing here, pal? Uh, yeah, you, you think he's out, and they keep pulling him back in. <laughs> Godfather Three, think- an underrated movie, by the way. Everybody makes fun of it. It's no, it's nowhere near one and two, but one and two are fantastic. It doesn't need, you know, don't make. Uh, well, all you have to do is recast of the, of- the daughter. That's it. If you recast the daughter, you know, he casts his daughter in his it, daughter and then she just can't the- keep up. Yeah. Because I would say that Garcia is as good. The the two things that they they really blew it on is they asked Robert Duvall to take. Uh, a, a discount yes. to reprise his role as Tom Hagen. So that's the first thing that they blew. That was that. bad. Um, so who's the guy who does it? It's the guy with the tan. I don't even know his name. I can't remember Hamilton, his name. I can picture him. Yeah, it just was George Hamilton. So yeah, they have right. him, George and then Hamilton. they have Sophia yeah. Coppola. And that's just like imagine if they had cast. Uh, there was talk that Winona Ryder was up for that job, um, and like her at that time in that role would have been incredible. Um, there are other other actresses at that time that would have been. She, Sophia Coppola is one of the great directors. I mean, she's done a phenomenal job, incredible career on her own. 
um, but was not ready for that role. She was, I mean, she was in Godfather One too. Did you know that she was the the was baby she in the, getting, one of the backgrounds? She, she, she was the baby, the boy baby, quote unquote, getting uh, christened yeah. uh, or whatever, getting baptized. I, I guess I should say not christened. Okay, getting baptized. Yeah. Getting my religious terms mixed up here. Yeah, so she was actually the baby in the first one. So yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Um, but I don't know how we got off on that. But uh, well, yeah, you my, did. I, I, I'm fine yeah. with it. But she, yeah. um, I, like, I think well, you that did her. <laughs> Yeah, she, you did it actually. But I, I think you. that that her um, she just wasn't ready for that. I mean, you had to. That's a carry the movie role. That's a huge role in that movie. You're her right. role in it, and, and it, she, yeah, it was cringe with the lot. with the cousins with the incest. That's cringe. But I'm just saying overall, I hear people say, "Well, one and two's great, and three was terrible." It's like you were right. One and two are great, but three's a little underrated to me. A little underrated. I agree with you. I stu- you, if you quiz me on what international immobiliary is, I don't know. I can't tell you what that is. So I, that's the one that the, the plot line got a little a little hazy there uh, when we got to Italy. But but other than that, it was it was quite strong. Um, to sum things up, though, I am looking forward to the basketball tournament, and I do think that that what what the Carmen's Crew group did, and I know others have had alumni groups too, but they made the basketball tournament an alumni tournament. I think they're really responsible for that, um, for making an alumni tournament. We saw the Wichita State team played last night, um, and now this is becoming the thing to do is where you get a bunch of guys you played with primarily and play together, and I think Carmen's crew deserves a lot of credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah, they they are the, the ones that's kind of uh... – They've been the genesis of uh, all the teams doing that. You got teams like Best Virginia, which I think is a, a great name for the former West Virginia yeah. guys. They call themselves Best Virginia. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully they can get it done. They won it two years ago. Carmen's crew did uh, after they were forced to change their name by Ohio State, um, which which was interesting that Ohio State needed to do that. But I guess you got what was the, the old brand. name? I can't even remember. Wasn't it just was it Scarlet and Gray? Uh, oh gosh, what was it? Um, it was something yeah, with I think the. That uh, been it. Yeah. it was something with the actual like. Um, I think it might have been something like the. God, what was it called? Scarlet and Gray. I, anyway, it's going to come to me at the, at the, yeah. <laughs> on the break or something. But yeah, man, it's so much fun to see these guys back together. Like most of them played together, not all of them. Um, but seeing Aaron Kraft throw the ball to John Diebler for a three, are you kidding yeah. me? That doesn't take you back to like that. those great teams. That I mean, even though they lost to Kentucky. Uh, in 2011 in the Sweet 16, that Ohio State team was phenomenal. They blew out George Mason and uh, Cleveland in the second round. They were the number one overall seed in the tournament. Not just a number one seed, the number one seed in the tournament. You know, lost that close game to Kentucky, but at least they came back the next year, got to the uh, final four. It's so fun seeing them out there together. William Buford, David Lighty. Yep. Uh, really, and I'm glad Costa Kufus, we had people on Bucknuts like kind of making fun of Costa Kufus is coming back. I'm like, dude, I'm not, no, awesome this guy was see. in the NBA for over 10 years. He'll be able to help. Trust me it's like this is a good team so hopefully they can uh hopefully they can not repeat they didn't win it last year but uh, hopefully they can win their second in the last three years i tell you what bo this took me by surprise i got into it because of of aaron craft and all these guys and seeing them and it's a good team um i i got into it four years ago and it just it's it's a really cool thing it's one of those things like when i first heard about it i'm like is this really gonna make it i probably won't have any any interest in it i absolutely love it i love it the alumni component allows for that Without it, I don't know that it would have lasted. But I think the alumni component and nostalgia is a powerful thing. It is, and you can you can, and it's good for the players too. I talked to Diebler about this uh, last week when I saw him. Like they still, it's like getting back to two weeks and you're back as Buckeyes. It, it's awesome, and you can yeah. compete together. It's it's so much fun. We hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Laurenitis right here on the fan. On air, online, on the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. 
Day drinking responsibly with a touch of class. This is Bishop and Morinitis. And time for a little thing or not a thing. Hayden's here. Hit it, Hayden. Bishop and Laurenitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. The first one we're going to start off with is Clemson Tigers' Dabo Sweeney. He is not in favor of the inevitable 12-team college football playoff. He says he doesn't think there's 12 teams good enough to compete for the national title, and it diminishes the value of the regular season. Thing or not a thing. Well, it's a thing because he's right. There aren't 12. There aren't. Um, and it, I think it does diminish the value of the valid. But this is about money, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the second hour of the program. And they want to continue to add more money uh, to the pot. And so that's why they're doing this. Uh, the counter to this would be, and I don't know if I believe in it or not, would be if you open it up to more teams, more teams will be able to sell in recruiting what Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, LSU every other every four or five years can sell that you can contend. Um, so that's the counter. But I tend to agree with him that there aren't 12. I agree. It's a thing. Uh, and I agree that uh, 12 teams is too many. Um, but as Dabo knows better than anybody, quote-unquote 11 teams is not too many. Yes, right? he did rank us 11th. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. So 12 He's aren't good enough. Heel. But I, t- I tell you what, 11. He's such a great el- heel. I love him. 11 as a or... Well, and it was it was fun beating the brakes off of him after he made that comment. So here's how I how I th- feel about it. He's right. Twelve's too many. I think eight is would be the max that I would go to. I would like to see six with the top two seeds getting a bye, or just keep it at four. Twelve's too many. Twelve's too many. It's a so I agree with Dabo. It's a thing. The Oakland A's got approved for a twelve billion dollar waterfront development project, which obviously included a thirty five thousand. Seat Stadium, 3,000 residential units, 1.5 million square feet of commercial space, retail shops, hotels. However, the A's were disappointed to hear that the city of Oakland is asking for $325 million worth of off-site infrastructure payments. The team's lease at the Coliseum ends in 2024, and Rob Manfred said that Las Vegas is a viable alternative. Other location... Options are Portland, Nashville, Tennessee, Vancouver, and Montreal. Thing or not a thing? Yeah, I think it's a big thing, and I think it's the end of the A's in Oakland, is what I think. Because if you read the comments from the A's um, the A's president yesterday, he said if this is approved, as it was approved, it's essentially a no vote for us. In other words, asking for the $325 million on off-site infrastructure. So yeah, I would say it means the A's are done in Oakland. Uh, and this is the we talked about this early in the week bids, and we talked about those other four teams. First, now Manfred putting Vegas in, that's the game changer there. That's the most logical to me with Portland being second. Uh, but yeah, it's a big thing for baseball. I mean, this they've been in Oakland a long time. They have, uh, man. When they moved there, like the fifties or something like that. They originated 60s in or Philly 50s from Philly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, long time. Yeah, no doubt about it. I feel I kind of feel bad for Oakland. They're losing all of their teams. They lost the Raiders already. They lost the Warriors. Now they're going to probably lose the A's. Hopefully they can figure out a way to keep this. I mean, my gosh, the owners of the team need, need to chip in uh, a decent amount of money. It can't be all of the city of Oakland and that county. So, yeah. yeah, definitely a thing. The U.S. Women's National Team, their 44-game unbeaten run, came to an end last night in their first game in Tokyo. They fell 3-0 to Sweden. Thing or not a thing? 
they're not out, right, Hade? So it's just a... No, you know, it's just... Whipped, but I assume it's like a group stage. Group stage? Yeah. So not a thing. They'll be they'll be fine. Yeah, not a thing. If, if they get knocked out of the actual tournament without getting a, a gold medal, then it'll be a thing. New Vanderbilt coach and former Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee had players practice in jerseys without numbers as a way to suggest that the Commodores have to earn their keep. Lee got the idea from Vanderbilt baseball coach Tim Corbin, a close friend who uses like a similar tactic with his program, thing or not a thing. Is this the football coach? So he's a football yeah, coach, Yeah, sorry, right? he's a football this coach. Yep. It's like okay. the black stripe version of what Ohio State does. Yeah, I look, all of this stuff is gimmicky. It's all to build culture. Uh, the Browns tried this uh, a little while. They kind of copied the black stripe thing that Ohio State does with earn your stripes. And, you know, the rookie, you know, nobody had stripes on their helmets, even through the preseason. It was kind of a cool thing. Um, but it's it's all just about trying to build culture. And you can have all the cool marketing things for culture you want, but it's really about the person who's trying to instill it. So if Clark Lee has culture in him, and if he has gravity to him, the players will follow. So I would say this is not a thing. I agree, not a thing. And I'm really curious about this last one with uh, Maura Cowbell. Yeah, yeah, so this just always is interesting to me how, you know, Colin Morikawa, multiple homes across, you know, Western United States. You know, he's. He's done it. He's won the second major already. Guy's got money. But he's walking around the Atlanta airport, you know, just like a normal dude with his backpack, another carry-on bag, and 100% looks like the claret jug in a case that he's just wheeling around behind him. It's just it's just funny, man. Thing or not a thing. So uh, Matsuyama did this. Remember? He was photographed at the Atlanta airport wearing the, gold, the green jacket. It's so, just, I mean, this is... Yeah. These guys are anonymous, though. I mean, this is a, this is a fun little story, but like these guys are anonymous, and they're, it, it, they're, there's nobody in golf, and this is a problem that golf has. If you're not a golf watcher, you don't know who any of these people are. You don't know who Jordan Spieth is. I mean, who would you say other than Phil Mickelson? Who's known to the non-golf fan or the non-sports fan in the, in, on the PGA Tour right now? It's maybe anonymous. Kepka and Deshambo because they have that feud I, that maybe maybe is crossed over that. to the mainstream. Well, I was one. I, I, I didn't yeah, know if that had crossed over. I went, when I need maybe to know Rory, something like this, Rory I always ask my wife. A lot of ads. Yeah, when I need to my know this, I always ask my know. wife. Like, if, what do if you it's think crossed Mrs. over, because she, she so she follows sports just enough. Like, she doesn't miss an Ohio State football game, but that's like the only sports that she watches. But she, you know, follows along enough. So if I need to know if it's crossed over to the mainstream... Ask her in the break. Is she home? Text uh, yeah, her. Yeah, she's home. Yeah, she's a teacher, so she's home. I'll ask her during the okay. break. Yeah, we'll yeah. find See out. See if she knows who, we'll any, who any of these guys and, are. And, and real quick, this... I, yeah, you're probably right. And real quick, yeah, I wonder if she knows... She probably doesn't know who DeChambeau is now that I think about it. Real quick, this story reminds me of Eddie George when he won the Heisman. He's coming back from New York. You guys will remember this story. And the Heisman broke when he was going through security to try and fly back oh, to gosh. Columbus. <laughs> they, they actually broke the Heisman trophy, putting it through one of those oh, no. scanners. Like, Eddie was trying to, like, hide something in the... <laughs> I know oh, they were just God. doing, the, I know just they go, were just yeah, doing their Heisman. job. I know they were just He's doing known. their job, but like, yeah, yeah, it broke going through one Jeez. of those X-ray machines, and uh, they got him a new one. They got him a new one, though. But yeah, good grief. All right, uh, good stuff. We hit Hey Guys coming up next. Still time to get your question in. Hashtag Hey Guys at nine seven one BLS. Answer anything that you want to ask coming up uh, here in a couple of minutes. Take a look at the college football playoff expansion and where it could be expanding to. Plus, Bob Nightingale will join us at eleven thirty. Talk a little Major League Baseball. You're officially endorsed at the top of the next out bottom of the next hour rather uh final hour
hour. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. We be your Jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, The Fan, Ohio sports destination. It's first Friday somewhere. That's a big sense of freedom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Well, it's first Friday today, actually. We'll get you your officially endorsed here in about uh, 50 minutes or so. Uh, before we get to Hey Guys with Hayden, uh, today's daily fan poll, sponsored by Riker Key, of course. Today's fan poll, 971thefan.com. Which Big Ten football coach do you think is most on the hot seat bids? Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh, Jeff Brom, or other? Jim Harbaugh, I'm on record. This will be his last year. I would bet heavy on it. Um yeah, I think they're going to go five and seven and lose to Ohio State. Or I think their ceiling is like seven and five and losing to Ohio State. Because to get to seven and five, they're going to have to enter the game at seven and four because they're going to lose to Ohio State. And that that'll do it. Seven and five with another L to Ohio State, and you have four other losses. I don't see them getting to eight wins. The over under in Vegas is and every other place has legal sports gambling is seven and a half. There's no safe bet in sports gambling. You can never look at it like that. But, like, man, that's a, an intriguing one to go the under on seven and a half because you're telling me for you to lose that bet, if you take the under, Ohio, Michigan would have to enter the game at eight and three. If you believe that Ohio State's going to beat Michigan, which is not, not a huge leap yeah. of faith, they would need to enter the game at eight and three, Michigan would, for you to lose that bet because they're going to finish. That would mean they would finish eight and four because they're just, it's just the regular, the 12 regular season games are factored in. I think it's Jim Harbaugh. He's actually done a better job than Frost. Frost's been an unmitigated disaster. I didn't see that coming either. Yeah, no, I hear you. He's been an unmitigated disaster. I just don't know if you're Nebraska. I don't know. I mean, new athletic director and Trev Alberts. Do you do you do that again right now? And you fire like he was the one guy. That's the thing that both Nebraska and Michigan have in common. These were the one guys to fix it. It was a list of one. Harbaugh, Michigan, go get Harbaugh. He can compete with Urban. Nebraska, go get Scott Frost. He gets us. He's the one. These are the one guys. So if the one guys don't work, where do you go? That's that's the tricky part with both of these. And I think Harbaugh, what's interesting about him is his trajectory was fine until we broke his spirit in 16, and then again when the revenge tour came to a crashing halt. But, I mean, I really think 16, Harrison, like all of that stuff broke him. But he was off to a nice start. And just couldn't keep momentum. Scott Frost had never been able to get out of his own way. I mean, the Wandale Robinson transferred out to Kentucky. He'd been there all those years, and now he's gone. Crazy. And Brahms won. When you look at Brahm, you say to yourself, "Boy, does he wish he had that back?" Because he could have gone to Louisville. He could have gone home. He was offered the job. Stayed at Purdue. You know, because I think he felt obligation to those recruits. Rondell Moore, all that. Well, now Rondell Moore's gone. He's with the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, it's kind of a – all three of those guys are in interesting spots um, going into the season, but it's hard to fire family. And Frost and Harbaugh in those two constituencies are family. So it's a tough spot. Um, all right, time for Hey Guys. Hayden's here. Go ahead, bud. Nothing is off limits. Your participation is required. Just use the hashtag HeyGuys and ask Bishop and Laurenitis anything you want. Do it now. All right, this first one's going to be from Sean. He says, it's talked about on the show often, and every time it comes up, it makes me sad that it actually hasn't happened yet. But how can we actually get the gray back on the sleeves of Ohio State football uniforms? Let's get this done. Does oh, this matter this. to you as much as it matters to me, Bids, the gray? 
I like it a lot. I, I mean, like you, it. it is the, the we are the scarlet and gray, correct? So it, that's the correct. home jersey should have gray on it, as opposed to not. I mean, that's. I think my position on this has been made pretty clear over the years. Um, <laughs> it's an easy fix. They wear them in the big games. They look stunning. It's a gorgeous uniform. I have no idea why they haven't. I have been told. I've been told that Nike is a part of is is part of this reason why that they haven't. Um, but that they were waiting for a new uniform template uh, in terms of you know the the way the jerseys are made. So hopefully this can be remedied. We've been in this look since what 06? With yeah, the, I think with the non-gray a, sleeves, like yeah, I'm 06? trying to think exactly when they changed. It was that 06. Was, that, that was a good year. 06 was a good year till the very uh, last game. Yeah, I don't know why they 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 don't do that full time. I mean, do it full time. It looks good, as Bo said. That's a school color too. So it's like <laughs> both kind of a big it looks school better, color. and and it's and yes. it's one of the school colors. So yeah, get the, the gray, gray sets there. you apart. A lot of people have red and black. The gray sets you apart. That's the unique color. Use it. This next one is from Kevin. He says, My wife surprised me for Father's Day by turning our garage into a Buckeye bar. What are some must-have drinks that you would recommend I should have in my new bar? Well, this is in Bo's wheelhouse. For, how, first of all, how do you like sign her to a lifetime contract? I mean, that's a pretty big surprise. Garage to Buckeye bar? That's a good job out of her. I mean, I... You know, whatever the equivalent in a, in a handbag, jewelry, shoes, whatever she's into, make it happen, buddy. That's what I tell you right out of the gates. Listen, what what you're primarily going to want is your standards. Um, so what it really is going to come down to is 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 the right spirits. But you're going to need a bourbon. You're going to need a scotch. Obviously, you're going to need a vodka, tequila, these type of things. And then it's just about personal preference. The one thing that I would say is, and I, I give plenty of advice on, on cocktails and bottles of whiskey and tequila and so forth but the one thing that i will say is the the pursuit of spirits is a completely subjective process it's just what you like it kills me when people say oh yeah this is there's a specific bourbon out there right now that's readily available that's about a 70 dollar bottle of bourbon and because it has a 75 70 dollar price tag on it it is thought to be great now i personally don't think it's great. I think it's incredibly average, and I'm not going to bury it because there's no sense in it. But I think it's very average. In fact, below average. In fact, I think if you go, there's probably several bottles around 30 bucks that, in my opinion, are significantly better. But my palate's different than others. And so, when it comes to spirits, trust your palate, like what you like, and have confidence in what you like. And that's how I'd fill up your bar. You only need, you need scotch, bourbon, tequila, vodka. That's it. That's the list. Uh, I think you're going to want to have uh, some some American uh, Pilsner, if you will, a little yellow jacket, a Coors, something like that on tap, and then a lot of people like all that IPA stuff. So you can do that as well. But that that's the way I'd go about setting that thing up. I think you nailed it. This next one is from Ryan. He says, growing up in Cincinnati, Clark Kellogg was always our guest speaker at our youth basketball camps. Did you guys ever have any celebrity encounters as children? And if so, who? Bid your, you, go ahead. You got one off the top of your head. I got one off the top of my head. Gosh, I'm trying to think of like a real good one from when I was a kid. I mean, 
I guess. I mean, I was such an Ohio State football fan. I guess uh, getting to meet Keith Byers right before the 1984 season when he should have won the Heisman Trophy. They came to Dayton's Welcome Stadium. They did a traveling spring game that spring. Oh, they went cool. to different places and Tom Zach and Chris Carter and. But uh, getting to meet Keith Byers and get his autograph, I guess. I mean, that was pretty cool as a little kid. When I went on a cruise one time, Dan Marley was on there just as a regular guy. Dan nice. Marley got that. I got to hang out with Dan Marley for like a like a good part of the week and his buddy, and he was so freaking cool. Um, also, yeah, I'll go. With, I'll go with Dan Marley. That was pretty cool. Um, so, growing up where I did, remote Montana, you don't get a whole lot of uh, athlete celebrities coming through. Uh, but the one thing we do have is a fertile hunting ground and what that led to is various people coming out especially uh where where i lived was for pheasant hunting and bird hunting and a lot of these coaches love it and so uh there were two specifically who did and they would come every so often and they would put on a camp and they would go hunting and it was dale brown and bob knight and uh, and so I have a T-shirt from the Dale Brown basketball camp, the former LSU head coach. I have a Dale Brown basketball camp shirt. Um, and then Bob Knight, uh, my brother actually served him. Uh, my brother was was working at a bar at the time and and served him as and he actually went and hunted pheasants out at my uncle's place. So uh, they go to North Central Montana and and crush some pheasant from time to time. Nice, very nice. This is ne- this next one's from Zane. He says, "If Saban's comments are true and kids are making that much money from NIL, then what impact would that have on kids trying to leave early to get paid in the NFL? If they can just stay and have a starting spot, chance at a championship, free education, and making that kind of money, why leave?" Yeah, the only thing I would say, if you don't mind me going first, Bo, is like I, no. I do think it's going to help guys stay for the most part, especially for guys like you know one of these guys that's going to knows he's not going to be a high pick, but he's like you know what I'm just done with school. I need I want to make whatever I can, even if I'm a fourth or fifth round pick. I do think that's going to help, um, you know. But I also wonder if guys are going to think like, listen, like I've got to go to the NFL now because the career of a football player is so short. The average career of an NFL player is like two years, two point one years or something for draft picks guys that actually play in the league not just guys that like you know get yeah. picked up off you know practice squads and stuff like that never actually are on a roster so there might be some of that that like i still got to go to the league if i want to make the kind of money that's going to make me like a millionaire but i do think it will help some guys stay in school longer i think uh our conversation about ej liddell in the previous hour is a prime example of this that he make guys like that you know really good college basketball players might like aaron Kraft. What would Aaron Kraft have made on name, image, and likeness over his time at Ohio State? Four years. Four years. Think about that. What he would have made, and it probably, well, there's no doubt it would have superseded anything he made as a professional player. Um, I think it's. I think you have to be careful because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of guys, and I don't believe that Bryce Young's making a million dollars, seven figures. I don't buy that for a second. I think that was done for recruiting, as I said earlier. Um, but I think he's probably made a pretty good amount of money. But let's remember, he's the quarterback at Alabama, and he was the number one recruit in the country. Like, it's not going to be everybody making that. And I think most won't. Um, yeah, could Quinn Ewers make that? For sure. Absolutely. Especially if he lives up to the hype. Um, will Archie Manning or Archie Manning's grandson make that? Yeah, he's going to make that. Wherever he goes, he's going to make that. Those type of players will, but by and large, they won't. I think about, like, JT, who was a four-year player here, even more so, Dave. I think of guys like Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, Troy Smith. I think there, there was big money on the table for guys like that who stuck around. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Those are the type of guys that, I mean, think about the money that they would have made. I mean, Aaron Kraft would have been rolling in it. <laughs> not that he's not going to be anyway, being a doctor and um, yeah. you know, being as, as famous as he is. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so many guys we can think of that uh, would have made a lot of money. Might, maybe would have, now Aaron Kraft wouldn't have stayed in school longer. He stayed four years. Um, but there maybe there are certain guys that would have stayed longer. There are certain guys we can think of that would have made a lot of money while they're in Columbus, um, while they're Ohio State players. It's just going to be so fascinating to see how this turns out. It's already like there's already things that are like, oh wait, Bryce Young's making how much? Like this is just going to be crazy to see how this all pans out. Do we want to do one more? You got time for one more? Let's go ahead, it. bud. Okay, this one's from Josh. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but let's go. <laughs> he said, "Who is the commissioner for the American Conference or whatever conference UConn is in? Maybe we should just take Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa, and other like minds and leave." Well, so I think what he's probably thinking of is about Cincinnati. Is that what he's going for there? Is that maybe we could get Cincinnati because they'd be like-minded. If Ohio, I'll just say this on this front. If Ohio State ever wanted to flex and start its own conference, outside of some of the people who don't think like us in this conference, they could do it in a second, and they would be able to poach teams from the ACC and from the Big 12 to join them. And I, I think the first call would be made would be to Texas and Oklahoma. Say, hey, let's get together. We have something we can sell for. Because it's about TV. We can make a lot of good TV shows playing Texas and, and Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm with you. So there you go. Um, all right. Coming up next, the, speaking of speaking of cash, the College Football Playoff Committee says, boy, we'd like to make even more. And I think their idea to do so is quite frankly silly and a little disingenuous. Well, more than a little disingenuous. We get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk distilled to its purest form. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Hey, Bits. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Baker Mayfield having his uh, youth football camp up in Cleveland uh, today and was asked, as you, we talked about this last week with Threes and I, uh, the, the Big 12 went to some lengths to prevent the horns down being done to Texas players. And we thought, my God, is Texas really that soft? That seems silly. Um, so Baker was asked about it today at his youth football camp up in Cleveland. He just said, quote, I'm just happy they're protecting the Longhorns now. He's the best <laughs> troll, like, ever. Like, just constantly trolling them. He trolled them with this incredible shot of him doing horns down over and over last week. When this, And then him in the golden hat. Um, and I know he ruffled feathers here by trying to plant a flag in the turf, which didn't go so well. But And I understand that, certainly. But I guess what I was going to ask you is, who do you think is the best Buckeye troll of Michigan? And I know it's hard because Michigan isn't really relevant and hasn't been for a long time. But like, who's the guy you think of who who needles that as much as they can? Ooh, well, the first name that comes to mind is Jim Tressel in his own way, right? Um, no, that might not be yeah. the best one, but um, since he was the one that flipped the rivalry on its head, I mean, Troy Smith never ever shies away from mentioning that. Um, yeah, some of these guys at Michigan don't even want to talk to me, and, and we keep in mind Troy. We know he was three and zero against Michigan. He beat three good Michigan teams. I mean, they were heavy yeah. underdogs in '04, and that was his coming out party. And they they took it to him here in Columbus. Um, and then, of course, you know '05, the big comeback, and then '06, um, the one versus two game. I mean, Troy wasn't beating these uh, you know John O'Corn teams or you know no. Nick, Nick Sheridan teams. 
teams in the first year of the Rich Rod era. Uh-uh. These were legit Michigan teams that he was beating, and he was stepped up big. So I'll go with Troy Smith. I'm trying. I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out who just loves to give it to him. Yeah, Urban, obviously. I mean, the name of his joint is 7-0. 7-0. and, 0, 7 and so, I mean, that, That's certainly part of it. Um, but it does seem like it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have the same impact just because of how irrelevant Michigan's been. Texas has been a little more relevant than Michigan, but not much since Mac Brown left and and since uh, Colt McCoy left down there. So there are some are some parallels, and and Baker never misses an opportunity to stick it to him uh, <laughs> every single chance that he gets, which I I do enjoy a great deal. Um, we saw this yesterday. I know you saw it as well. The college football playoff uh, committee talking about expansion, and one of the things they're going to discuss if they go to twelve teams. And I I'm on record. I think twelve is absurd. Um, you want to do eight, fine. You want to do six, I guess. I'd like everybody to play the amount of games. Um, I actually think it's fine at four, um, but if the idea is maybe more teams will get involved, you can spread the wealth a little bit more in college football. Okay, well, we'll see if it works. Uh, but 12 seems crazy to me. Um, but one of the things that they're, that they're considering is expanding the Bulls part in this. Now, as someone like you who's, who's on the beat, who goes to all the games, how is this viable? I mean... Who's going to go to these games? How many games can you go to in December as a college football fan? I don't think it's viable at all. I mean, the only way you're going to make this work is to have, which I like this about the playoff, if it does expand, have the quarterfinals on on campus. Let's say you're Ohio State and you're the two seed and you're playing the seven seed in Columbus in December. I mean, sign yeah, me up for fun. that. I mean, that, that'd be cool. So that'd be the way to do it. If you're going to try and incorporate the Bulls, yeah, you're going to be getting like bowl games with like 5,000 people there. They're going to have to do some real, <laughs> real, There's real close-in shots money. at the crowd to make it look better. Yes. We, we're skewed because we view it through the Ohio State prism. And Ohio State is the biggest of all the bullies in college football when it comes to fan base and spread uh, spread out throughout the country. Incredible fan bases and, and Buckeye clubs throughout this this country in warm weather climates where bowls are. And so we're always very well represented at bowls, and we're usually the bully no matter where the bowl is. Unless you know, and even pretty close when you're playing LSU at the at the at the Superdome. It's even close there, and that's in their state. Um, but we're us. Some of these other programs traveling multiple times over the course of, I mean, it's four weeks of games. I, and I know tickets aren't what it's about. It's about the TV product. I get it. But if you have empty seats, you don't want that either. No, it just looks so bad. It, it just looks so bad. I think, you know, I just... You're making 12, enough, for God's sakes. Right. You're making and, enough I, money. And if you're worried about money bids, isn't it just as... Wouldn't you make just as much money? This is really about the bowl committees trying to keep their paws in it. And they must have pictures of administrators because <laughs> they continue to, to, to just do whatever they can to acquiesce to their wishes because you could make the same money. Just split the revenue. Just say all of the teams that are in it, the 12 teams that are in it, and everybody's hosting quarterfinal, all of those ticket sales are all split evenly among the 12 teams that make it. That solves it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, they're saying they're going to make what an extra six billion if they go to twelve. Um, still, man. Jeez. I mean, you're watering down the product big time. I mean, that's you know, I hate to agree with Dabo, but uh, twelve is too many. It really is. It really is. I mean, we like to say in college football that every game matters in the regular season, and that's still true. I mean, especially when only four teams are making it, and it still would be true with eight. You get to twelve, man. If you're Alabama and there's twelve teams. 
if you're Alabama, you could go nine and three, not win the SEC, and you're almost guaranteed to be, still be ranked in the top twelve. Um, now, being ranked in the top twelve might not be enough because there could be you know whoever the best group of five team would get in as long as they're ranked. And I like that idea. I like the getting that one group of five team, whoever the best group of five team. I like that they're gonna have a chance to win a national championship. I think there's a way to incorporate them with eight though. You can have there is still still have the best group of of uh, five team make it as the eighth seed probably yeah yeah okay well so let let me just play this out for you so if Notre Dame is playing Indiana because the top four get buys right that's the way they're going to do this so it'd be four it'd be five versus twelve this is the AP from this year so if Notre Dame's playing Indiana in Nashville is that a tough ticket (laughs) not exactly right no. no is Northwestern Georgia in Dallas a tough ticket. Is Iowa State, Cincinnati, in Pasadena a tough ticket? Negative no. all the way around. No. no, they're not. They're not tough tickets. And that's to me like okay. There's a you want to satisfy these bowls and their sponsorships. I because you feel like you owe them. I guess, but to what end? When's it end? And and that's that's something like at some point enough has to be enough. It just does. It's, Another way to do it. Uh, Major League Baseball conversation with USA Today's Bob Nightingale coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The biggest guess. Earth-shattering opinions. And Maddie making Anthony do push-ups during commercial breaks. I can't feel my legs. My bad, bro. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. Two men complaining about first world problems. You're not getting the point, kid. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And Dave Biddle in for James today as we head out on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline for a visit with our old buddy Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Bob, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, let's just start uh, nationally, big picture, with this A's vote uh, that happened yesterday and the, the idea that even if it's a yes vote, it's a no, according to the, 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 the A's bosses out there. Is this... We've heard Manfred comment the Vegas is a real option. Is this the end of the A's in Oakland, in your view? Yeah, it certainly seems like that's the way that this is headed. I mean, you saw Manfred's statement saying that the vote was kind of against what the A's were hoping for. It had things contained in that vote that um, they weren't sure about, that they hadn't agreed upon beforehand. So it's definitely looking like Vegas is uh, becoming more of a possibility. I mean, I, I think they wanted to keep Vegas open as a place where um, you could always have the threat of a team locating that, relocating there, but um, it's, it's certainly, um, as Manfred put it a few uh, weeks ago at the All Star or last week at the All Star Week, um, was that you know the, we're at the final stages of what we're going to do in Oakland. Bob, the runner on second to begin extra innings. I know this is a hot button topic. I tend to like it. I'm curious your thoughts on it, and do you think it'll stick? I actually like it personally. I just think it adds something different to extra innings. I thought the extra innings became a little stale in recent years when you're just looking at teams who are homering um, after the ninth inning. It just seemed like you're waiting for the first team to homer, and that's who was going to win. Um, but it doesn't sound like it's going to stick around, Commissioner Manfred said. Uh, also last week at the All-Star game, that um, it's something that he doesn't see long-term. Um, obviously, that could be a negotiating tactic, but... Um, it, it sounds like that probably is on the way out, or maybe if there's a compromise, it would be later in the game. Maybe you start that in the 11th inning or 12th inning um, instead of right in the 10th. Bob, I want to bring it back to the, the, that com- the comments you're making about the A's and, and the idea about Vegas, uh, because some of the other cities 
that we see prominently mentioned here get mentioned a lot. Nashville among them, Portland among them, uh, Montreal and, and Vancouver to varying degrees, but the two American cities certainly. Um, is is made, are, are there any other franchises that are getting close to the situation the A's are in? And if not, would Major League Baseball consider expanding in the in the near future at all to those cities? Yeah, I mean, Nashville, they've been looking at an expanded expansion team for a little while. Dave Dombrowski, before he became the general manager of the Phillies last offseason, that was something where he was kind of heading the, spearheading the effort, was trying to bring a team to Nashville. Um, you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they're probably, they have the next, behind Oakland, kind of the next stadium situation, but they can't break their lease like Oakland can. Oakland uh, runs out, I think, 2024. So the difference there is that you have to have a team in Tampa Bay for at least a little while. Um, so that, that kind of pushes it closer to 2030 where you'd look at somewhere where you could, you'd fill somewhere if Tampa Bay was going to move, uh, unlike Oakland where it's a little bit more pressing because once that lease expires, they have to play somewhere. And if it's not going to be Oakland, you have to find somewhere else to play. Bob, I want to ask you about the Cincinnati Reds. They're, they're, they're just, they're six and a half games out. They feel like if they could improve the bullpen, they could be a legit team. But man, it's, it's, you know, I know there's, it's not late, but it's not early anymore. That's for sure with what 60 some games left to play. What do you make of the Reds? Can they make a run at the Brewers? Um, and, and do you think they're going to add to their bullpen? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question is how much they can they add to their bullpen? I mean, that's been the one weakness. You look at what they've kind of done after the All Star break, they've had a lead and, uh, past the fifth inning in two games against the Brewers that they lost, and then the, the extra innings game that they lost a couple of days ago um, to the New York Mets. So you look at what, what um, the bullpen obviously is the biggest need. Six and a half games back, you don't love your playoff odds at that point. Um, but you know it's kind of turned into a two-team division at this at this rate. I mean, the Chicago Cubs are selling. The St. Louis Cardinals just haven't been able to get out of the mud. They they blew a five-run lead in the ninth inning yesterday. So if it's a two-team race, I mean, you you have to at least take your chances there, I think. Um, just just because, you know, the Brewers have played unbelievable since they acquired Willie Adames, the shortstop, had the best record in baseball since he joined the team. But, um, you know, all it takes is a bad week, one week or two weeks, um, and you're right back in it. So if it's a two-team race, um, which it's starting to align that way, I think you do have to make a run for it. Bob Nightingale, our guest of USA Today on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Bob, let's go up uh, to the north coast here in Ohio in the Cleveland Indians. Just a couple of games out, hanging around. Lost a couple games here, obviously, with the Astros uh, on the slate tonight. Uh, they have really done a fantastic job of vacillating between here's a contender, but knowing the perfect time to sell and getting a lot back. Uh, what do you anticipate them doing in the lead-up to the deadline? Yeah, I mean, they're in a tougher spot, I think, just because you look at what the Chicago White Sox have been able to do. I, you look at the White Sox, they're probably going to add at the deadline. They've dealt with a ton of injuries, but, um, you know, when they get Yasmani Grandal back and some of those other guys in August, you look at uh, the lead that the White Sox have, and you're, you're just banking on the wild card. And um, obviously, you know, you lose games like the Astros. That kind of is a barometer if you're a playoff team. Um, so I, I could see them more being a Stan Pat type team. But, um, you know, look, look what they – Look what they kind of did in the offseason. They kind of retooled. You trade Francisco Lindor. Um, and I think they've exceeded expectations to this point. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're on the right track. It's just, I, I think it's hard to see them overcoming the White Sox to win the division and the Wild Cards. Such a harder um, thing to, to grab there. Another hard thing to grab the uh, labor dispute with baseball. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this offseason, Bob? Um, I know it's hard to, to predict, but uh, do you think they're going to get on the same page or at least the same book, uh, the players and the owners, or could we be looking at a work stoppage next season? 
I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, you, you hope, you know, just as a, someone working in baseball, you just hope that the, the money that's at stake on both sides, that it's too much for both sides to get to a point where there is a work stoppage. Um, the collective bargaining agreement ends on December 1st. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff at the beginning of the offseason about how the sides are parked and what they're working on. Um, but I, I do think there's a willingness on both sides that it's not going to be hopefully as nasty as it was trying to restart the season last year that, where it turned into the 60-game season. Uh, where it just played out publicly. I, I, I think the players, union, and the league both have a, a desire not to let it get as nasty as it did last year. You know, uh, Bob, the interesting thing is, and I, you would have a much better perspective on this than I would, obviously, and why I'll ask the question. I, I don't know that there's that there's been young stars more fun than this group are. What do you think of Tatis, Otani, among others? Um this is a, a real golden era with young superstars in markets that maybe aren't New York, aren't Boston, where you, you're typically used to seeing them, um, but gaining real attention. And I, I see it with my younger kids. I mean, they they look forward to this stuff. They, these guys are reaching. Is baseball, uh, this is a sport that, that usually that it's not great at promoting their own young players. Are, are they doing enough to make sure that these guys get the attention they deserve? Because it does seem like this is a special time to be a baseball fan. Yeah, I think it's improving there. I mean, you look at, like, Fernando Tatis, right around the time he signed his contract before the season, signed the contract extension, you know, he was on video game covers. And you, you, you see him being out in more commercials. and um, So you're seeing a little bit, I think, more effort there. Um, Otani, like you mentioned, I mean, he, he's a, a global star right now, uh, a talent that we haven't seen in baseball and you know, maybe since Babe Ruth. So, you know, there's a lot of unique circumstances. I mean, like you talked about the young guys coming up, Ronald Acuna just got hurt, uh, Juan Soto. But, I mean, these guys are going to be around for the next 10 years. And like you said, yeah. not in the major markets that we're used to. But I, I do think there's been a more effort there to say, okay, you know, it, Mike Trout, he, he, didn't, he didn't get the publicity probably nationally he should be getting. But these other guys, these young guys, maybe there's a chance to make up for that. The Indians are sitting there at 47 and 45, nine and a half games back of the White Sox. Do you think the Indians will be sellers? I don't know if there's much to, to see them selling on. I mean, a lot of the talent they have is under control for future seasons. So it's not like there's a demand that you have to trade them now or you're going to lose them to free agency immediately. Uh, Jose Ramirez is probably the big name to watch if, if they were to become sellers. Um, but you can kick that to the offseason too. So I, I it's one of those I think they're going to have a high ask. Um, the front office there have a high ask, and then if, if they reach it, they do. If they uh, if teams don't do it, then you know you can try again in the offseason. Bob, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that's Bob Nightingale, USA Today on the Baseball Beat. We get you your officially endorsed in three things on the first Friday up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. A linebacker and a man of leisure. This doesn't even make sense. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, final segment here on a First Friday Miracle edition of the program. Hit it, Hayden. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurinaitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. So my, uh... Oh, did we do... We didn't do... We got to do officially endorsed. We got to do officially endorsed, Hayden. Get rid of the sounder. Get rid of it. Officially endorsed. It's First Friday. Endorsed.
First Friday, hit it now. Hurry, <laughs> quick. One, two, three things with Bishop Morinitis. No. I, I don't no. know what I need to hit. I don't know what I need to hit. Do you have the? You don't have the first Friday. I don't first think I do. First Friday miracle. This is my. This is my first first Friday. Oh, for God's sakes! I'm trying. No, we have to have it. It's a first Friday. You hear from Roger Sterling. You join a cocktail. This is what we do. Oh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. It's um, first Friday. Summer. Oh, that's a big. There you go. You're listening to Bishop and Laura. No, that's not it either. That's the rejoin. Well, one day. One day we'll get it. I'll get it for you anyway, kids. Normally I have Roger Sterling introduce this fine segment, but we'll do it anyway. Uh, I'm in the grocery store, and I see fresh-squeezed grapefruit juice. And I think to myself, well, that's a that's an interesting, refreshing uh, elixir there. So perhaps there are things that we can make with this. And I'm reminded of my youth. And certainly I had a buddy in college who ordered a Greyhound, which is a vodka with grapefruit uh, and a little bit of soda in it, and enjoyed that a little bit. But there is also the Paloma. And I prefer the tequila to the vodka, so we're going to go with that today. The Paloma, your officially cocktail. Uh, I think you can go with a Reposado tequila on this. Patron is a good one to use. Uh, certainly Don Julio. If you want to use the Rocks brand, that's great. Casamigos, whatever. Um, all of those work. So uh, go with go with that. Go with a little Reposado. Uh, go with one part of that, a couple of parts of grapefruit juice uh, on top of that. Freshly squeezed is key. And then the sparkling water to top for a little bit of fizz. Uh, and it's a nice summer elixir for you. Nice summer cocktail. So so enjoy that. Uh, so now it is time for three things, and now you can hit it. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurenitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me. Did you see Giannis's order at Chick-fil-A this morning on Instagram? He's broadcasting. There's 150,000 people watching. He's at Chick-fil-A. He orders 50, I don't know what they're called at, at Chick-fil-A, like nuggets or the little pieces, whatever those yeah. are. Yeah. He orders 50 of them. He says, not 49, not 51, 50. So he orders 50 of them, which is awesome. And then I thought this is interesting as well. His cocktail, his drink was a no ice, half Sprite, half lemonade. I guess you can do whatever the hell you want when you win the MVP and score 50 and get a championship for Milwaukee. Good job out of him this morning. We'll call that the Giannis. We yeah. have the uh, Arnold uh, Palmer. We have the uh, the Giannis now. All right, my first thing, I'm going to be an old man, get off my lawn here. What is up with drivers who go slow in the fast lane when they have, op- you know, nobody else is in the middle lane or the you know, the slow lane? They're just doing their own thing. It's two things, Bo. They're either oblivious or they're being jerks. Neither are good. If you're in the, just meandering in the slow lane or in the fast lane, don't do that. Don't do that. Get over. Get over. That's my first thing. That's a great first thing because my first thing is also has to do with traffic and we talked about it on the Buckeye show but I've just started like horns downing people like on the road instead of you know like you know I don't go, ever go to flicking them off but I want to take out the anger so I just give them the horns down I don't know if they know what it means but it feels good gets the anger out so I, I'm there All right number 2 for me I don't think I've ever cared less about the Olympics Allegedly, they're already starting. There's group stage stuff happening. I think it starts on Friday. I don't know anybody who's in it. I don't know who's the, who are the fast guys, who are the good swimmers. I think Ledecky's in it again. That's awesome. Uh, Biles will be cool to watch, sure. But beyond that, I don't know that I've ever been 
less interested in Olympic Games. Maybe that changes and I get Olympic spirit over the next couple of weeks, uh, but right now I don't recall ever caring less than I do right now for an Olympics. And I'm guessing, Bo, the fact that there's going to be no fans there is not going to pique your it's interest. It's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not going to help the situation for you. No. no. It's not going to be good. No. Um, my second thing, I'm jazzed about Big Ten Media Days tomorrow, uh, kicking off with uh, Kevin Warren at 8.15 a.m. in Indy tomorrow. Um, and then seven teams will go. All of Ohio State stuff will be on Friday, but it starts tomorrow. And as we keep joking about, I don't really think it's a joke, Kevin Warren might filibuster that full 45 minutes. But at least they added 15 minutes on. It was going to be a half hour. I'm sure a lot of media were like, um, we need to talk to this guy for longer than that. So that's my second yeah. thing. My second thing is I got to play Common Man and Ping Pong. We haven't played like an official game yet. He's just came out during the breaks and beaten me to like five or I got him to five points one time, but he's good, man. He knows how to spin it and I got to go play him and got to beat him. Got to beat the man. My, you got to beat Mike. What is your athletic history? I didn't play ping pong in high school. If that's what you're saying, and you played but... racket sports. <laughs> no, no. So I didn't. I hand eye coordination levels. Well, Where are we at with that? I had a had a ping pong table in my basement growing up. So like I I played it, you know, with my brothers. Yeah. But so the the base knowledge is there. I just I want to take it out. I want to put it to like an adult use. You know, like I want to. Yeah. I want it to mean something. Well, this will certainly do that. Uh, finally, for me, Bids mentioned um, Big Ten Media Days going on tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and you mentioned Kevin Warren. I don't think you're going to get much out of Kevin Warren. I think he will be do a pretty good job of not only filibustering but not answering answering questions is how that will go. The one that I'm interested in is Harbaugh because he took less money. He took no buyout. He floated his name to the NFL, and he's going to have to sit there, and he's such a loose cannon that I don't know what he's going to say to things. And I, to me, that's the he goes last, right, Bids? He's last tomorrow. That's um, correct. I think that's a fascinating q and I don't think you'll get much out of Warren. I think a lot of people will try to pin down Warren, but I think you'll find a way to evade it. I think Harbaugh has a chance to be explosive. Oh, for sure. That's going to be ultra intriguing tomorrow. I love that one, Bo. All right, my third thing. Right after the show, I'm getting a COVID test. <clears throat> Because I have to go to Big Ten Media Days, and I here's fine. I'm fully vaccinated, but I've never had a COVID test, so I'm finally okay. getting a COVID test, which is kind of a kind of a backwards way to do it. But I have to do it to travel, per my company. The Big Ten's not making you do this, but my company is making us do it. So I have to right after the show, I'm getting my first ever COVID test Damn after it. I've been vaccinated, which is interesting. But that's why it is. It's, it's going to be. It's it'll be painless. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, it's safe. My last thing is I was going to let my parents' dogs out last night because they were out of town. And I, you know, go do them a favor. And I hear the dogs barking as I'm pulling up. So I'm like, these turds. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to scare them, you know, I'm going to get them back, you know, because these they, turds. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I, flip the, I, you know, swing the garage door open and I'm like in a wrestler stance, you know, like trying to scare them. Because I know that they're soft, you know, I know they're not really going to like do anything to me, like bite me or anything. And I scared them so badly that they just started, like, peeing themselves. And I really wasn't <laughs> expecting that. So I got them good, but I had to clean up the mess, man. It was tough. But oh, There you go. Uh, listen, uh, bid safe travels. Good job this week on the program, buddy. Always good having you on. I think you're on in a couple of weeks with me again, so we look forward to that. Uh, James will be back tomorrow. Uh, we have a little bit of Rothman and Ice coming up next. Enjoy your first Friday. Act accordingly. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. 
Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.